This week on Invasion of the Podcast, the Toxic Avenger with a budget? We visit the ghost of Bill Murray as we talk about Scrooged. And we ask who is naughty, who is nice, and who gets put on ice. Santa Claus has been kidnapped by spacemen from a flying saucer, which landed at the North Pole. Will Santa be rescued? Turn the record over and find out. It's the invasion of the podcast. The rocket sent to rescue Santa Claus has failed. If you should look up at the sky this Christmas Eve and see a flying saucer pulling eight reindeer, chances are it's Santa Claus. Merry Christmas, Earth people. All right, and welcome to Invasion of the Podcast as we have our more festive holiday music going on here. I'm digging it. Yeah. Uh, take a little the world one a listener at a time or one gift under the tree at a time. I am Paul and to my left is Steve. I think you're supposed to pronounce that gift. Gift. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hello, so, everyone. Uh, yeah, this is our, our more of our, I guess, our holiday thing, because I know next week we're doing something a little different, so I don't know if that's really necessarily Christmas related, so I figured it'd be time to bust out the Santa and the satellite, you know. Um, yeah. Which have you ever heard that before? It's a novelty record. No, I haven't. Um, it, it, you, so you know how like now we have um, I don't know how to like there's 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 like joke things and um, like quick clips of things and like vines or whatever. Yeah. The, this novelty record it was a forty five and it was side one side two and it was this whole little story about Santa being abducted by the Martians but they would cut in with like three second clips of different songs. Oh, okay. Like at one point they're like, we're trying to reach the president and you hear keep a knocking, but you can't come in. And they would cut back to something else. It was like, it, I'm sure it killed at the time. And I loved it as a, <laughs> I loved it as a kid, but it's like, you know, it kind of, you know, you listen to it. It's like, oh, well that joke is just happening over and over again. So it's just, they would just kind of just dumping clips and songs and whatever. So it's out there to, to find. I just know that we actually had the record. My okay. mom had the record. So yeah, it's our holiday thing. But before we get to our, our talk about Scrooged, um, you know, it would not be an invasion of the podcast, regardless of season, if we didn't talk about our weekends. Yeah. So I um, had a, a unexpected weekend kind of thing happen. So, well, the weekend before you had food poisoning and yeah, self self uh, induced food poisoning. Yes. I guess uh, not. That that's not what happened this weekend. Okay. Thankfully, uh, so. Um, we, my wife and I, we had been talking about going to an Ikea, uh, because we just want to get into a fight constantly while we're there. That, like, <laughs> that I know that's a joke on 30 rock, but it's like, ever since I kind of heard that, I'm like, yeah, that's, that kind of makes sense. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so being in Cleveland that there's, there's no Ikea nearby. So the, the, the closest ones are all relative distance from each other. Like there's one in, in Michigan near Detroit, uh, one in Columbus, one in Pittsburgh, and they're all about two hours or so away from, from us. Yeah. Right. So I was like, well, let's, you know, let's just go to Pittsburgh because our friend who, who was on the show last week, Jeff Ritchie was at the steel city con that was in Monroeville, uh, uh, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. And I'm like, I could go to Columbus and then be, you know, an hour and a half, two hours away from Jeff, or I could go to Pittsburgh and be a half hour away from Jeff. So first we went to Ikea. Um, I, I think that place is great, but it's like, it, it just, 
the way that everything's kind of laid out and you walk through the showroom and that like the maze and you see the Minotaur and you run away from it or whatever, it, it, there's something about that's very, it, it's very conducive to getting into arguments about everything. And I, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I feel like this, you know, people behind Ikea are very peaceful people, but we were trying to find a desk and we got in this argument about a chair and then it was this whole, like, and we'd find stuff and be like, do we really need this as, as items are slowly filling our, our cart? Like, and we were only there for an hour. I can't imagine if like I had to go there and try to actually buy furnishings for like a house. Like yeah. I would just go nuts. It's not worth the price. That's just me. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how often you've been to IKEA or. I've never been to IKEA. We talked about going uh, when I actually went to Monroeville for the Living Dead weekend back in May. Um, but for whatever reason, I think my wife was just like, she was like, eh, let's just pass on it for now. Uh, maybe she took your advice and was like, I don't feel like getting into a fight this weekend. So. Yeah. Cause I mean, like you first go through a showroom on like on the top floor and it goes through these different sections. And then uh, once you get done with that, then there's the way to go to the bottom floor, which has like the actual kitchen, like a lot of kitchen items, odds and ends. And then they still have additional areas to go through. And then there's this big like warehouse section that looks kind of like Home Depot that has all these different bins and numbers labeled. So you write down like what you wanted upstairs and you go try to find it downstairs. So just because it's on the sales floor doesn't mean it's there. Oh, that sounds like hell. Yeah. And then also like we were trying to find um, this little table we ended up buying. It's it's, it's some Swedish name. So it's like uh, small loon table or whatever. I don't know. Um, like they, they actually have a play area there for kids that can be dropped off while the parents are fighting and going through uh, Ikea called Smalland and it's S-M-A-L-A-N-D with like a little a circle over one of the A's so it has like everything everything about Ikea all the names are always like like they're almost close to something you're like well are they just making up gibberish or is this actually like like Swedish for this, you know, right. like, like, do you remember, um, the, uh, what was it? The Conan O'Brien skit where they were watching the different TV shows. And one of them was called stock and blocking. I think yes. it was the German TV show. <laughs> so I always think of stock and blocking and that's not, that's not Swedish, but anyway, uh, so we were trying to find this table, um, this little office table and the, like a little topper to go with it. And we found it, but then the, the stickers on the outside of the boxes were different colors. So we're like, are they not all white? Are they different colors? Are we going to grab the bottom? That's going to be one color. And then the top, that's a different color and then drive two hours and then come home and get mad. So we had to figure all that out. Cause otherwise we probably didn't grab the wrong shit. So is there no one there to assist you. There, there are some people there. Yeah. It's just um, like, what was it? We were in the office uh, furniture section and there was nobody there. So we ended up having to backtrack. Um, and like, since you've not seen the layout of an Ikea, you need to, it looks like, um, it looks like a treasure map of like this looping and serpentine all through all these different things. And we went back through the kids area and then back to like the bed area. And there was someone working there. We're like, we need help with office furniture. She's like, like, I forget what was the name she said. She's like, no, Jerry's there. It's like, oh yeah, we know who Jerry is. Great. <laughs> you know? So we went back Just and then look for Jerry. Yeah, it's like, and then we got back there. Jerry was there, you know? So thankfully, you know, so, but I mean, the prices are, you know, reasonable for what they are. You're, and, and it's like you always end up convincing yourself that you're like, you know what? I know we have a can opener, but this one's like stainless steel, so we should buy this one. Yeah. You know, and they also have like a whole little restaurant area, too, where you can actually get like decently priced meals that are actually, you know, healthier-ish. I heard they have meatballs They do. Today. And I almost bought a whole bag of them to bring home just because it'd been great. But yeah, um, it's just... It's Ikea. And uh, what we were, as we're exiting, there are like these four lines. And so everybody has all these big carts just full of like these big you know boxes that they pull off of the uh, the loadout area and all this other stuff. And there's three lines and it's like 10, 12 
like deep and it's like they're just moving slowly and as we're waiting another register opens up and the guy's like i can help you over here and then like we were the closest line to that one opening and it was one of those things where mary was like kind of hesitant i'm like no 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 no. we're going to game of thrones the shit and just get over there as fast as possible <laughs> like in terms of just like i'm sorry everybody no we're right here like so and everybody uh, we, not that we pissed off anybody but it's like you you gotta you gotta move with authority when that happens, because if you just assume that people are going to be nice about it, you're going to be stuck there another half hour. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we got out of IKEA, uh, went to Monroeville uh, to go to the Steel City Con to go visit friend Jeff. Uh, you know, and, and and not tell him that I was going to be there. So that was the best part was just showing up and just being like, "Oh, you're here," you know. So, <laughs> um, Steel City, it was a cool con. Like it was packed, like yeah. just dense, like in a good way, not like. Like, um, I hate, I hate to draw comparisons between this and Cleveland wizard world. Since this isn't a wizard world affiliated con, I think the table prices are probably a little bit more approachable. And also, you know, people probably think that they'll probably have better foot traffic because people aren't being paid for the wizard world name, you know? So, um, like the get in day of was like 35, which I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable for a con. No. Uh, and when, and like a lot of the tables, there's a lot of arts and crafts stuff. There was really no mystery box stuff going on. So that was good. Uh, actual like vendors that had like toys and stuff for sale, like vintage toys. Uh, so yeah, it was like a decent amount of things to go look at. Um, you know, and, and they had guests there. So, uh, did you, if you were interested in me and Jalil White, Urkel was there. If you're interested in meeting uh, David Faustino, a.k.a. Bud Bundy, he was there. Were there any Urkel cosplayers? Was there <laughs> anybody walking around in like, the Urkel outfit? I would, I would love it if there had been two people. One was Urkel and one was Urkel, like a Stefan Urkel. <laughs> um, or if one was just Carl Winslow walking around berating Urkel. That would have been great. No, but uh, so uh, was it Diesel was there from, you know, uh, Scott Hall from the WCW, if you remember him. Uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was there as well. So, but the one that caught my attention was um, Doug Bradley, who, uh, yeah, I'm saying I'm saying his name right. I don't want, yes. I don't want to be like Gus Bradley, who was the, who's the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Jaguars. Uh, Doug Bradley's there. He plays Pinhead or has played Pinhead in the Hellraiser movies. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, hey, you know, like you, when you think of horror franchises and you think of iconic villains, Pinhead's right up there. Yeah, you know, and and he's there and he's like selling, you know, headshots and like I got a poster, a Hellraiser poster signed, like a smaller one. It's like how can you not like drop the money? Which his prices weren't unreasonable to at least go, you know, say thank you for what you do and to sign this. So we didn't really have like a big meaningful conversation. But did you, you guys know. talk about Hellraiser Revelations? <laughs> <laughs> I should have been like, I loved your revelations, and then I'd have this, this you know, kind uh, British gentleman just punch me in the face, you know. No, um, no, he was actually being pulled away for like a panel, so I was just like, I'm sorry, sir, I don't mean to bother you, you know, but like, I, you know, I'd love to get this autograph if I can get a picture, you know, that was about the extent of it. Yeah. Because the person that was standing, like, talking to him before I could buy this, talked to him for like five additional minutes about nonsense. And it's just like, you know, and I could tell that, you know, Pinhead was not interested in what this guy was saying, but it's like, there's a certain point when you're dealing with like celebrities or, you know, whatever, it's like, you have to know that it, like, they, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a delicate thing of like showing your appreciation, but I don't think they want to be roped into a conversation necessarily, you know? So I don't know about Unless how they you, initiate it. Like, yeah. you know, like I feel like had I not totally like zoned out when i met uh tom atkins uh 
I think he probably would have talked to me for as long as I wanted to. Yeah. But like, I was just like, I, I was starstruck by talking to him. So I'm like, you know, he was such a big part of my childhood and all these different movies that he was in and how much I love, you know, him as the dad in Creepshow or, you know, even the yeah. fact that he's in like Lethal Weapon, which is so weird to think of. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I have a feeling like he probably would have talked to me for a while, but I, I know what you mean. Like sometimes people don't know how to step away and be like, thank you. Yeah, on. like I mean, um, you know, it's just I guess it's just a matter of just trying to figure out, like, read the room a little bit, yeah. you know. So not that not that I was saying that just because I was like waiting in line, you know, right. but it was more like you're not talking. I don't know. I just it's something you get like maybe it's just me judging conversations. Maybe maybe this is what that person in front of me. Maybe this is the one reason. Maybe they drew further away than me that day. Maybe they went to an IKEA at a different location. They drove five hours to go meet, you know, yeah. uh, you know, Mr. Hellraiser. I don't know. I shouldn't judge that, but I also I feel hope like somebody called him Mr. Hellraiser, yeah, Mr. Be- Mr. Razor, Mr. Hellraiser. <laughs> well, because like it was funny because like as I was like, yeah, if I can please, if I said if I can get this, you know, I'll take one of the posters or whatever. And Mary's like, say please. And I'm like, I forgot my manners. I don't want to forget my manners around Pinhead because yeah. it won't take much. Right. You know, <laughs> like, you know. So yeah, it was, and, I, and he had like a little sign on the table that was a, um, a headshot of of Hell of, of Hellraiser of Pinhead saying, um, "I will shred your credit uh, rating." You know, we do take cards. <laughs> but I thought that was funny. So, um, but yeah, I just not that that was the most impactful experience. But it's like, for goodness sakes, if you meet someone that plays a role that is unforgettable. Yeah, you, you you drop the forty bucks, you get the poster, you shake the hand because you got to appreciate it, you know. So. It is interesting that uh, with all the talk about, you know, Robert England a while there was like, yeah, I'm pretty much done playing Freddy, and then once he did that episode of the Goldbergs, talk it immediately turned to like, I think I could do one more. It does seem like a lot of people want to see him return to the role, and even with the Jordan Peele announced uh, remake of Candyman, people are already like, oh, are they going to use? Tony Todd, I don't feel like I hear that much about uh, Doug Bradley, and not in the sense of like a negative way, but there have been two Hellraisers, I think, now without him. And at I'm least, kind of at least, there hasn't it, been more of a mounting of like, yeah, you know. And I don't know if his position is just like I'm done playing that character, or if he would be interested in doing more. But I, I do find it odd that like he's. He's what you think of when you think of that franchise, and yeah. I'm surprised that there hasn't been more of a campaign to try and put him back into that role, I mean, particularly with the two crap fests that have been. And I haven't <laughs> seen either of them, but my understanding is they're not good. <laughs> you you made me watch uh, Revelations, Hellraiser Revelations. <laughs> I offered to. Yeah, you put, it, you put it in a... You put it in a wheel of death. It was one of six movies, and thankfully, I got that one. Not thankfully, but uh, no. It's I, I think that like you mentioned, Robert England, like he he's iconic as Freddy Krueger. Even though it's the makeup, it's like it's the man behind the makeup. And yeah. I I'm just I mean, and I know there's other people that have played like I, I, you. We talk about Friday Thirteenth and all the different guys who played Jasons, and we know them, but. Ideally, it's not a face that you'd see and be like, that's who that is, unless you know who to look for. Right. I feel like Doug Bradley is a guy that you'd recognize because, I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, he played Pinhead and his, you know, very recognizable, he was also, there's times in those movies where he was out of makeup. So yeah. it's like, but I, I feel like that is more tied to him than someone stepping into the role of playing Jason another time. Right. You know, or even Michael Myers, which I know they brought back Nick Castle to play him somewhat. 
you know, and probably not entirely to and, a limited capacity. Like I feel like it was a handful of scenes. Yeah, and that. like and I feel like some of the, probably the more physical stuff. It's like you know what, probably let someone else in this now. So that's fine. But I I just don't know if, if there's probably other characters that are slipping my mind right now that are iconic that are tied to more the actor than it is the character. But I feel like he's intertwined with with Pinhead. Yeah. So yeah, got to meet him for a second and then moved on about my business. Didn't I did not meet David Faustino. I, I, I was 50-50 on that because it's like, I, I don't know. I have no ill will towards Bud Bundy, you know? And we've been watching Married with Children because it's on Hulu now, like it's entirety. We've been watching I some. just discovered this weekend because like I've watched like an episode here or there on Crackle, but like Crackle only has like maybe a season at a time, if that. Hmm. Um, and then just I was looking around on Hulu. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to see what all is actually on Hulu and I was like, oh, my God, the entire series of Married yeah. Children's on here. And I'm like, my biggest problem with Hulu is they don't make it easy to search what they have. No, they do not. And it's like, hey, Hulu, I want to watch you. How about you let me break down my genre? No. <laughs> OK. So you'd rather let me just take shots in the dark and try to search things. But yeah, like all like all of them are on there. And surprisingly, the intro music's back there, too, because if you'd seen it on Netflix, the the love and marriage song because of licensing. So. Yeah. I don't know if, if how that happened, but that's what first caught my attention. That we started, we've been watching it recently, and as much as there are problems with the character of Al Bundy and the Bundy clan, those problems were there to begin with, and I think that was always a point of like, I don't know about all these guys. You know, there's some yeah. real, real misogynistic things that show up sometimes in that series, but that was also kind of by design. So they weren't shying away from it, but you watch it now. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I have considered jumping back in now that I know that it's on there and just taking a walk through it again. But again, there's so much content that I do have to watch. Like I get to that point where I'm like, Oh yeah, I could watch something new or I could watch, you know, an episode of <laughs> married with children from 1991. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I just, but I feel like I, I think it holds up pretty well. The only the the biggest thing is aside from some of the you know, otter edges is that anytime Christina Applegate shows up, then to, woo! Oh, yeah, woo! it's like guys, we get it, yeah, <laughs> you know. But whatever. So anyway, that's the other there. Still, City Con was cool. I'd I'd recommend it for anybody. It's it's not that far away from here, um, and it, it was a pretty good time. And uh, yeah, I also I just want to mention just in passing. Um, just because you could afford a table maybe means that you shouldn't buy a table. Like, and I don't mean this like, I, like, so are you talking to me directly? Yes, I am. I'm like, Steve, never buy a table ever again. No. When we were at, um, uh, uh, black Christmas, sorry, dark Xmas, dark Xmas, right? Yes. Okay. I almost went, I almost said black Christmas, black Xmas. And I was Sorry, dark that show Xmas. with X and yeah. mass in it. There were there, there were some legitimate talent people, like in terms of like selling some things. But then there was also some not so good yeah. things there. Like um, no names, please. But there was definitely a table behind us of some. I don't know how old this girl was, but she was advertising herself as an was it an actress, a singer? No, sorry, a, a pop star and like an artist. All this other stuff too. And you're like. One, that's a that's a big resume. I've never heard of you. And two, her artwork was not good. And it's like you know, like, and it's not a matter of opinion. It's just I, don't, I just think functionally it wasn't good. Yeah. So it's like it's one thing to have this dream of like you know I'm going to buy a table and get myself known, but it's like maybe you know I don't know figure out how to make things first before you try selling them. That's just a, a thought. I mean, I'll be kinder and just say that at least like know your audience. Yeah. Um, I mean, I you didn't sell think... a single CD while we were there. I know you tried. <laughs> I, 
Um, I I will say that I don't know that that was a good fit for her. Um, and yes, I mean her the artwork that she was selling was certainly uh, entry level. Um, and you know I I always try to keep in mind too that like. Uh, you know, back when I first started getting tables, you know, I wasn't nearly the artist that I am now. And, you know, I try to be considerate of that. But, yeah, it wasn't it was an odd choice for her to be there. And it was <laughs> it, it was uh, also unusual that like she had CDs and then she had her artwork. But uh, I don't know. You don't want to tell somebody to not try. Right. I get it. But at the same time, I think if you're going to put yourself in that space, then someone, hopefully someone will have the kindness, or not not kindness, that's not the right word, the professional courtesy to be like, hey, I, I see what you're trying to do. This is great. You know, If you could you know, take XYZ and apply it towards the future, I think you'd have more success. Right. And not coming in with the whole like being nibby about it and being like, oh, here you go. This is what you could do. But it's, I feel like... You know, and here I am. I'm judging and making fun of it because I don't have a, I, I my pop star career didn't go well, so I don't have good <laughs> advice for that. But like, so at Steel City, they, there was a lot of paper craft, like meaning like um, like like Mary bought this uh, wonderful shadow box of Jessica Rabbit that is really cool looking. That has like you'd have to. Yeah, I'm telling Steve this. You have to see it. You guys listening don't see it, but you have to imagine yeah, it. I get to see. But it. But it's it's really well constructed, right? And it's mm -hmm. like okay, I can see there's time and effort and thought put into this. Then I was walking by some tables that had paper craft of like silhouettes of like Overwatch characters that I could see the edges curling under the glass. And I'm like, is this just something that you printed out and cut out and slapped together and put behind like a, a frame with a little bit of depth and trying to get that shadow box effect that you want me to pay $30 for? Like that's the stuff that yeah. also I'm starting to see a trend now. Uh, of the silhouette, not silhouette, but like, um, like example, like over my shoulder, I have a, a Colossus that I like a lot. It looks like a propaganda, a Russian propaganda poster, but it's Colossus, but you don't see his face. It's very, um, I don't know how you decide, describe that style, but it's, it's very like solid colors, not a lot of detail, but it kind of works. But there, but that, that artist has a style that I liked mm -hmm. that a lot of her work never shows the face of a character, but always has their profile. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of that stuff show up now, but it feels like it's shortcutted. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if you're seeing that stuff too, but I'm feeling, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's odd um, because I'm still somebody who's trying to figure out like what it is that I'm making and where, what the audience wants meets. But um, when it comes to art styles and things like that, there's, well, We'll just get this out of the way. There's a lot of people stealing right now um, because the age of the internet and Photoshop and all that great stuff, it does pull a lot of people selling prints and just taking mm -hmm. somebody's name off of it and putting their own on. I haven't really come across that very much, but I've seen a lot of stories about it happening at conventions. I, I have a webcomic about a guy that kills people. I don't know if you guys... <laughs> it's the uh, Sunday morning killer. It's the Sunday morning stabber yeah. guy. <laughs> but, uh, so that that's a piece of it. And then there is... And I don't know if it's if it is particularly like because it's easy to do at that specific level using Photoshop, where like you create an image just basically that is like let's say it's um, uh, Slimer from Ghostbusters, and all you do is you cut out that image of the the character, make it green, but you're not putting in the eyes or anything else, mm -hmm. but like it's enough of a visual cue that somebody would know what it is. 
and you don't have to really do anything to it in the sense of you don't have to interpret it or put your own spin on it or even give it facial features or things that you might screw up, I guess is the best way of putting it. <laughs> and maybe Slimer's not the best way of no, putting no, it, like, but like, like uh, Iron Man or uh, Robert Downey Jr., I'll say. Like, it would be like a photo of him, but like they didn't put the eyes and the nose or anything in. But it's the, goatee. the goatee. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like they're there, and this is a whole other thing. I apologize. Who who'd have thought we'd drag this on? There, there's this series of Mondo prints that are put out for the Star Wars releases that had like it looked like um, Cloud City in the distance, but the way it was set up, it's the shape of Boba Fett's helmet, like using the like the nature of the like what using the skyline and everything to create mm-hmm. Boba Fett's helmet, but it, but using Cloud City as like the the break in his mask. And then there's one of like C three PO that's using the twin suns, right? And like and it's like it's very thought. It's very cool. I like those. But I feel like people saw that and took the wrong thing away from it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's starting to show up more and more. And not that I'm like, I, I think that artwork can be done well. I just, I feel like it's, it's an easy out. And I don't like seeing that stuff show up because I feel like, like you, you put the nail on the head, interpretation. Right. And I, that's, that's, that's frustrating. And then people just stealing artwork and selling it. There was this guy who had a bunch of stretched canvases that you could just tell him like it was just printed from something high quality print canvas and stretched over like um i don't know like a like a, a one foot by like three foot like like it was a long type mm-hmm. of thing and there was just all licensed artwork you know but you could tell that this guy didn't pay for a single license and i'm like why would i pay for printed canvas of something that i know you did nothing for right you know so anyway here i am you know there's people that didn't produce artwork but they're still city con you should go check it out anyway it's, <laughs> a, it's a, no it was it was cool well, like, i mean you know there there are people like our guest last week jeff who puts a tremendous amount of detail into his work um all of his work is of high quality like the print like i don't remember did we mention on the show last week that he gave us gifts you you put pictures up i yeah. was an asshole and did not but okay. he brought us no, he brought uh, us uh, prints it wasn't about the photos just meaning like yes he brought us prints and a sticker and like if you look at jeff's work you can see the amount of care that he puts into what he's crafting um i try to do that uh, like there's <laughs> like there's definitely the people who are just trying to profit off of whatever is the popular at the time and mm-hmm. what they have to do the least amount of effort to do to make their money yeah and i i guess you know you pay your table fee at a convention and that's you're just as legitimate as anybody else i guess in that sense yeah you know? so that that's kind of was my brief side of like just because you could buy a table doesn't mean maybe you should like it'd be like if i bought a table there and then I just showed up and was like, well, I'm not selling anything, but hey, you guys want to play cards? Like, or something right. to be like, you know. And like, I mean, like, the point that I was making about the pop singer was, you know, it would be like me taking the Saturday Night Slasher to, like, let's say there was a Wiggles convention, you know, <laughs> like, setting up there, it would feel out of place. Can I please would... work that table with you if that happens? <laughs> Coming to the Wiggles convention. WiggleCon. WiggleCon. <laughs> uh, um, so, Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was sorry. That was my weekend. I, I know I kind of drug it out there, but yeah, That's just okay. surprise IKEA, um, and then surprise Steel City, and surprise Jeff Ritchie. So, and I bought him a thank you gift because we got there, and I'm like, hey, can you do me a favor? And he's like, what? And I'm like, can you just put our coats behind your table? Because I was like, <laughs> like I was like, yeah, I, was, I drove I drove two hours here just to borrow money off of you. No, <laughs> I got him this um this Darth Vader snow globe that uh, had like Darth Vader with a Santa hat on it. Oh nice. And he had, and if you look inside there, he has a list of like people's names crossed off off like Anakin and like he's Anakin sorry but it has like C-3PO and like Luke and all this stuff like crossed <laughs> off this list and, it, and, and the lady about it, it sold it to me she was like it plays music I'm like oh 
So what do you think would be a snow like Christmas snow globe with Darth Vader? What do you think the music they'd play with It'd it? Be the Imperial March. Right? That's that's what I thought. It's let it snow. So something just tells me that there was these bases of this uh, <laughs> snow globe that everyone's like, well, shit, we don't have enough. We ran out of things to put. It. We have Darth Vader. Okay, well then let it snow. Like it's, it, I don't, I just, I, I wanted to hear a music box version of the Imperial March. Right. I thought that had been amazing. And the fact that you thought of that as well, I'm like, that has to be it. And it was not it. <laughs> well, let it snow is my second choice. <laughs> That's what was playing at the beginning of Empire. Uh, you know, return. I believe the, they the, temp scored the, temp uh, scored the planet Hoth yeah. with let it snow. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, that was my, that was my weekend. Um, yeah, I didn't have nearly as, uh, an interesting weekend, um, did watch, uh, Rampage with The Rock. Um, oh, the, mon- yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the video game kind of movie. Yeah, it was on HBO. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I have, I have access to HBO. Okay. I'll have we, to watch it now. You can watch it now. Um, it's, it's okay. That's kind of what everybody was saying <laughs> when the movie came out. <laughs> I didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Um, I mean, it's as good of a movie as I think you're going to get out of a you know, movie based on Rampage. Was there a bit where a monster climbed a building, punched through like a, a part of the building, <laughs> grabbed a person in a shower, and then ate them? No, but was there I a bit hope- where they ate a toilet and spit it out? Did they do that? <laughs> I don't think so. That seems like something you get away with in a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, um, I was, but none of the actual animals turned back into people. That was, wait, so, did the wolf did they shrink back down into no, a naked guy and then wander off? That's what I was hoping oh. for, but uh, he's an actual wolf. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it lives or dies basically on the charisma of the rock. So there's not much more going on than just watching. Uh, there is more going on in the sense of like special effects wise. But like, really, I think without the rock, I don't know that that movie would have been as watchable. So as you're watching it, like every 15 minutes, was they ask you to put more quarters in? You're like, oh, oh, man. No. <laughs> well, it's funny because it was between that or Ready Player One is now on. It is. Uh, that, you're right. That HBO, movie. So. That movie is. That Sorry. That that is a um, movie. That, that is a movie. I, <laughs> technically, by definition, that is a movie. It is available on HBO. So well, it's funny too because Kathy's like, "Do you want to watch this?" I'm like, "I can watch it." I'm like, "It doesn't really matter." And she's like, "I don't want to watch it." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably will at some point just so that we can have the discussion on the show. Oh, please! I, I just I mean bring it bring more more talk of that wonderful film. I mean, sorry, move whatever it is. I I saw the that theater movement that movement. Yeah, I, <laughs> I you know of all the movies I've seen in the theater this year, that was one of them. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that was that was pretty much it. Although there is a, this is ridiculous, but uh, I don't know if you've seen Nailed It on Netflix. Yes. Okay. There's a. Oh yeah, there's Christmas a holiday event. special. Yeah. I forgot to tell my wife. It's about not that. just a special. It's like six episodes. Really? Yeah. So oh, we watched well, some of that this weekend. As well. I, so, I, 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 I always hesitate to watch cooking competitions because mm. I feel like sometimes they lean too much into like the people drama part of it. Oh, and, they don't do that at all. And my problem, it. and my, my only problem with nailed it is, I feel like they bring in the most incompetent people to begin with, and then they're like, "Oh well, you could barely, you know, you you've set a pan on fire, and we don't know how you did that. Right. Here, now make this gingerbread house with intricate little things, and at the end, we know you're going to fail. It's just a matter of how Badly how will you fail? Yeah, and it's like I want I want at least the idea that there's some attempt at 
you know, quality, you know, like I feel like, and I feel like nailed it as much as it's fun and the reactions. It's like the, the bar is never going to be crossed right. with any of the contestants. Well, I said to my wife, I'm like, you know, if I knew that I was going to be on this show, I'm like, I would at least spend some time prepping beforehand to try it. Because, like, there is $10,000 on the line. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be great. I would just want to get to that level enough of being like, okay, yours is, you know, the least worst out of the three. Here's the money. So yeah. I would be spending, like, a week or two beforehand just baking as much as I possibly could. Yeah. I, I, that, that would be my goal, too, there are right? people who are like, oh, I was supposed to make, uh, you know, flames out of... Sh- uh, out of a uh, heated sugar, you know. I, instead, I I used a gummy bear. It's like, what? <laughs> like you didn't even try to do what they did. Yeah, they're like, I don't know how to do that, so I just cut stuff out of construction paper and told them, well, you could technically eat it, you know. So and I'm always uh, weirded out when they show like people using the like spray frosting because yeah. it looks like a paint can. Yeah, it's like I I can't separate the two in my mind that you're not just eating a gigantic thing that's just spray painted. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, yeah, I, I, I did not know that there was six episodes, so we all had to get to it. Yeah. So, all right. Um, yeah, that was our weekends. Uh, some, uh, some nailed it and then some pinhead and, uh, you know, whatever. So it was a pretty busy weekend. Questionable art. And questionable art. Stocking blocking. Sorry. Let's just get to the news. Good news, everyone. And by meaning get to the news, I mean a half hour in. So yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> let's just get to the news eventually. So uh, first thing we want to talk about here uh, is it looks like Legendary Pictures, which are the ones responsible for at least the co-ownership of the Godzilla and King Kong and stuff right now with, yeah. with Toei. Um, they're taking a whack at the Toxic Avenger. They got the rights from uh, Troma. Supposedly Lloyd Kaufman's going to oversee parts of this. I don't think that's true. I think they're just going to let him be there and be like, hey, thanks, Lloyd. You know, but right. but yeah, the Toxic Avengers actually getting a like a budget and a reboot. Um, why? I guess that's, that's just my <laughs> question. I don't know. Like it, it's like I think the whole reason that people kind of were drawn to it to begin with because it was kind of taking the piss out of the superhero idea to begin with, you know, and that first movie, like I, I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen any of the movies in their entirety, but I've seen sections of the first one. It, it's just hard to watch now because it's so like low budget and, and, it, and it's aiming so low that there's fun to be had with it, but there's just times where it's like, can we move on please? You know, like I've watched trauma <laughs> films. Don't get me wrong. I've watched uh Oh, what was it? I watched uh, Class in Newcomb High. I've seen some other stuff that they've put out. And, I, and the bar's oh, obviously never high. I get it. And there's some fun to be had with it. But I always feel like Toxic Avengers should kind of stay in that kind of domain. I, I don't know if I need... This is not going to be a gritty reboot. I don't. I hope right. not. You know, like, I must avenge those. I am not toxic. Like, I don't know what to do. So, I don't know. What are your, what's your relationship with the Toxic Avenger? Like, personally? Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Romantically. Right now it's complicated. Um, No, uh, I've seen at least the first two. I've revisited the first one. Not in the recent recent, but I feel like it was probably within the last three years. Um, You know, when I hear this, I will say that, like, I agree. Part of the charm, I do think, is the fact that... Uh, it's a low-budget film. I think that that's part of Troma's charm. They do it on the cheap, and they're the types of films that you don't get out of Hollywood. So making it a big-budget Hollywood movie, I don't know if it's going to lose some of its specialness. 
I I I don't I don't know. I listen to so many podcasts. I don't know who to credit this with, but I credit I, yourself with it. <laughs> I, I've often said that, like I. I Never came around on the Friday Thirteenth remake, which I know that you did. Or yeah, the I mean, reboot. It, 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 and you yeah. liked it. There's yeah. something wrong with that. It just it, it didn't work for me. You're but like, there's nothing the, wrong with it, but you're wrong. I'm like, oh. <laughs> one of the points that somebody was making about it just recently, they were talking about it. The fact that it doesn't feel like it fits in with the rest of the movies, even though it's a reboot, it doesn't feel like a Friday Thirteenth movie, at least visually. Um, yeah, there's I mean, a lot of it that is glossy. It's very much produced. It's you can't really sync it up with the other ones. Um, and I, I think with this, I think that part of that charm will be lost by giving it a sh- new shiny coat of paint. I mean, the only thing that I can honestly say that I think might be a saving grace is, is if, and I know that he's committed to a bunch of other stuff right now, uh, but if they honestly were to give Troma's favorite son Mr. James Oh, uh, that would be Toxic Avenger, then that's a movie I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brief aside, did you see the Brightburn trailer? I did. I did. I'm curious to see what the movie is. But and if you guys haven't seen that, yeah, check it out. It's produced by uh, James Gunn. He, you know, so and he has people that you know he's affiliated with that made the movie. But they definitely put his name out there first in oh, the yeah. trailer to show everybody. And it's basically like, hey, what if Superman had, was a kid, but he's also a scary monster, and we don't know what to do about it. Yeah, for me, <laughs> <laughs> for me, I just I was like, wow, didn't I get enough dour Superman and Man of Steel? So. I, I'm gonna see the movie. Don't get me yeah, wrong. I, I wonder. I'm, I wonder if the mother, her name is Martha. That'd be amazing if they changed her name to Martha. Um, but yeah, if, if James Gunn was brought in for something like this, I would be, I'd be interested. Then you're right. But um, like, who else do, do you think out there would be kind of that someone that has that kind of um, weird sensibility that'd be able to balance this right? Is there anybody else out there that you could think of? Like right off the top of your head, right now, go. No, um, no. <laughs> I would say somebody like, I don't know if you know who Joe Lynch is. Um, he, he's done an odd assortment of movies. Um, he did, uh, most recently a film called Mayhem, which was one of my favorite movies of the last year. Okay. Starring I know. Stephen I, Yoon in, uh, I know of it. I haven't seen Weaving. it. Okay. Weaving. Um, I really, really loved that movie. Uh, before that he did a movie called Everly with, uh, um, I wanted to say Sandra Bullock, but it's not, it's Selma Hayek. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I. I want to see that too. It's like she's yeah. in the, the um, showdown in like her apartment or something, right? He's like, also like got his start at, at Troma. I think okay. he's somebody who knows that world, knows particularly those tastes, and can do something really cool with it. Okay. Um, I I was I was trying to rack my brain. I don't have anybody that I like. I'm sure there's people. If I thought about it long enough, I'd be like I'd like to see them do a take on Toxic Avenger, like Christopher Nolan. No, just kidding. That'd be. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I just I, I feel like you give could give it to Zack Snyder. Yes. <laughs> I feel like um this could be there there could be an interesting take on this. I just right now I we we talk about this all the time and it's this conversation is never going to end about like um brand knowledge and how that sometimes gets the green lights for things to be remade because you know, you even the passing person may not know entirely what the Toxic Avenger is. They know what like they've seen yeah. I mean they may I don't know I the, feel like the, the cartoon series yeah. was huge no yeah <laughs> but it's an iconic image and it's t- it's I feel like it's one of those things that people probably least have a passing knowledge of yeah so yeah um and and also it sounds like I'm shitting on trauma and they they did make low quality movies but I will give them utmost credit that they were actually the most successful film studio to not have a big budget release 
and they stayed successful for like 30 plus years. So like they kept making movies and making profit and it was all these like nickel and dime smaller productions and I'll give them credit over the asylum because they did their own thing, you know? Right. So, um, you know, it, so for every toxic Avenger there, there might've been like redneck zombies, which I think they just distributed. They didn't actually make, but like Kabuki man, like the, mm -hmm. the weird stuff that it's like, it could only exist on the fringes and trauma was there. You know, so I'll give them credit for it. I just, I wonder, like, you know, like just. Well, what's interesting is, is uh, I, the only comparison that I can think of of going far out of left field for a remake and giving it a bit of a gloss is uh, the Maniac remake with mm -hmm. Elijah Wood, which is actually very good. Um, but I remember being like, wow, that's really not something that I, I know that. And I don't think I'd seen Maniac at that point when I heard about it, but I was like. I well, I knew of its uh, reputation. We'll put it that way. I'm like, wow. I don't know that that's something that'll work as a interpreted or a reinterpreted like update. And it actually did. So I got proven wrong on that. Mm -hmm. I still, you know, having now seen the original, I still like that because that movie's so unusual, um, particularly for its time. Uh, it's got a very, very serious realism to it um a very ugly side of new york um as it was in the 80s hmm. and then uh it's one of the few uh slasher movies where you actually stay with the slasher throughout the entire movie like okay. it's his story so um yeah i realize i kind of went off on a tangent well there, no you're, but it's I, not I think really that but you're talking about like this is you're you're speaking to the notion of like uh spirit and and um character you know yeah. so and I, you you talk about that remake and with this it's like this could be just turned into another you know just like humdrum superhero movie about a guy falling in toxic waste getting powers his face is a little lumpy whatever like his origin story is not much different than daredevil let's just get down no. to it um but so i feel like you have to have th this thing better has some camp like it has to well there's like, also some really seriously dark humor in those movies mm -hmm. um the uh, first one, particularly where the kids are in the car running people over, you know, after they're done, like there's a joke about the one guy being like, I can't do it tomorrow. I have church in the morning, <laughs> you know? So like there's some serious dark moments in that, those movies as well. Um, I, and I think this might be all one of those ones too, that might, it might actually benefit if you set it in the eighties and kind of went, since there's a lot of that retro vibe stuff going on now for good and for ill, yeah. there's still some really good things that show up in this kind of like, you know, rose color like backwards look at the 80s if you set this then still it kind of had some of that vibe going through it I, you might have some fun with it but i do wonder too if you know if the, the core audience for it i mean obviously they want to meet the mainstream with it but like is this something that the core audience who have loved trauma and toxic avenger are going to embrace yeah. you know i i don't know you know it's it's a tough balance for particularly dealing with a, a fan set now it, in admittedly um it's not like you know the ghostbusters remake where people were suddenly like watched a trailer and decided it was the worst thing <laughs> that ever had befallen man yeah but at the same time like i do think that there will be it'll be interesting to see what the hardcore fans of the toxic avenger will think of whatever becomes of this you know remake yeah, just like I, I cannot wait for all the discussions about like people like saying about toxic masculinity or something in there. Right. It'd be great. Like it, you know, it'd be better if they leaned into it and actually did a movie about that. Yeah, and kind of that that would take the piss out of everything. It'd be wonderful. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, that's coming. 
Like, since Legendary is doing it, maybe it'll be connected to the Godzilla King Kong universe. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> See the, the King of Monsters running out there, and then this like little sludgy Avenger guy, like you know, whatever. But I, I, I doubt it. But they'd be amazing. So, all right, uh, next story, real quick. This is not. It's not really. I don't know. It's it just because it, it showed up. We want to talk about it. There's a stop motion Christmas special. It's going to be a, just a, probably a few minutes long. That's going to go up on Comedy Central during their airing of BoJack Horseman. Uh, it's the Predator Christmas special, and it's it's stop motion like the Rankin Bass things. We saw the trailer, um, and this was made just because the Predator, the new film that just came out in September, is coming to Blu-ray next week. So they they added this as a special feature, and it's a stop motion Christmas special. And we just got to mention it because that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I absolutely love the idea of of this. Like you had me at Predator holiday special. Yeah, particularly after the Star Wars uh, holiday special last week, you just throw anything in front of it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> whether it's uh, the Alien holiday special, the the Predator uh, holiday special, the uh, you know um, Hereditary holiday special. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean they do they, they do celebrate. Uh, so, uh, but um, I I think this is also kind of like a fun thing because like a majority of Shane Black's movies seem to take place during Christmas, so why not have another Christmas story. Like, um, yeah. So, uh, like, like again, not, not much legs on this story because it really isn't much of a story other than when this comes out, I'm hoping that they have this available to watch separate and not that you have to buy the Blu-ray to get the special features. Yeah. I'm sure. Like, I have to imagine this is going to be on YouTube. Yeah. And I cannot wait to watch that. But yeah, the little, the little, uh, 30 second teaser got pretty brutal yeah. pretty quickly. So yeah, that that's, look at that. We got through a story and probably less time than the animated special is actually going to be. So, Woo-hoo. Keep keep an eye out during BoJack Horseman on Comedy Central and w- watch that. Did you, that's the first show that Netflix is actually like with their animated block that actually ended up in syndication. Like Comedy Central got the rights to pick up BoJack Horseman to actually play on broadcast television. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's this weird thing of like, oh, I could just go binge all this, or I could watch it on Comedy Central. <laughs> um, so yeah. All right, last story. Uh, just bear with us, uh, and I. I, I, Steve pointed this out to me and said, maybe should we not, should we do this? I'm like, yeah, we gotta do this. I so it may be too lowbrow. You be the judge. <laughs> nope. Uh, doctors eat Lego to discover how long it takes to pass through digestive systems. So the, this is this, a real story. It's a real way, story. Uh, the big thing is that these people are actually, the scientists are actually doing it to kind of show parents like how plastic toys and bits that pe- that kids still shove in their mouth, like how long it takes to travel through your system, you know, come out the, the Lego dispenser on the other end. So, I, did they just eat a Lego head? Is that what happened? Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't know if it was multiple Lego heads or just uh, a <laughs> like, like head. a like a bowl full of Lego heads. Like it's a like it's <laughs> bowl a bowl of, of cereal. kick cereal. Like you're like <laughs> covered it in milk and oh, ate my my Lego head. Well, it kind of actually makes me like want to gag just thinking about it. Um, but yeah, three women, three men were working in pe- uh, uh, pediatrics. Pediatrics. I don't know how they spell that here. It's weird. Uh, swallowed Lego heads and then um, sifted through their bowel movements until they found the toy. Boy, that is the worst game ever. Because <laughs> you know, you know, depending upon what was going on, it's like, oh, I didn't find it this time. Well, I guess I got to give it a couple hours. So, what's the psychological portion of this? Just like, guess I got to dig through my own poop again. Like, what if it's, <laughs> what is that? That's a, uh, you know. And this now makes me think of Stanley Spadowski's Funhouse of like, oh, Billy, you found the marble and the oatmeal. Oh, and I like that the leg, like, they, could they at least, I would hope that the Lego heads didn't have faces on them. 
Because that'd be even worse if you just found like what was like a smiling Lego head. You're like, oh, you found me. I've been in poop. <laughs> I've been inside your body this entire time. Well, I'm imagining if you're going to do this, you're probably going to stay away from corn. Uh... <laughs> you beat me to the joke. I'm like, like, oh, that's a Lego head. No, that's corn. Oh, that's a, nope. That's more corn. Oh, that, that corn has a face on it. That's not a Lego head. Yeah. So I just want to know like how the six decided, like if they volunteered <laughs> or if it was like pick six people. Like it's in the year where it's like, hey, hey, um, Bill, you you know, we appreciate that you want to do science, but your science isn't good. You have to eat a Lego head and then dig through your old poop to find it. And be like, why do I have this like science? I, you have to do it for science, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, I guess. Did you ever eat anything when you were a kid that like you shouldn't have? Like, was there ever like probably? I don't yeah. know. Like, I uh, I don't know. Like, like anything that you remember? I guess. I, not that I like off off top of my head, but okay. I mean, I you know I, that's. I mean, did you know that's why the Lego guys have holes also? So that way that there's. You know, if they do get stuck, like kids can still breathe. Like, oh, so, I didn't know you know, that. so there's like a lot of that. So, no, um, but I, I'm I, this. This is important to know. It's just that I like that it's a story to be like, by the way, scientists have been digging through their own poop to find Lego heads for your child's safety. Because you know there's that one scientist out there that knows everything that's just like, well, I, I found Lego heads in my poop. It's like, well, were you doing a study? It's like, no, why do you ask? <laughs> you know, um, so... Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I guess that's better than having to go through others. Like, you know what I mean? Like, instead of it being like, okay, here's the six samples. Bill, you get to go through them all. You know? So here's the part of this I didn't even read until now. It says, in comic fashion, they rank the softness of their stool samples on a scale that they call the stool hardness and transit scale. So the shat scale. <laughs> uh, they also measured how long it took for the Lego head to pass through to give themselves a found and retrieved time, a fart score. <laughs> so that's funny. At least they're having fun with yeah. it. Yeah. I just, I don't like, this is maybe me admitting too much. And that, that I have a hard time with like, I have a really bad gag reflex with things that aren't food in my mouth. Like okay. meaning, <laughs> meaning like just thinking about them seeing plastic right now is really bothering me. Yeah. Like I could chew on pin caps all day, but if I end up in my, if it ends up like actually all the way in my mouth, I will like, I, I will want to throw up. All like, right. So, um, like, I don't know, like in high school, people would eat paper and make like spitballs. I could, the, the, the idea of paper in my mouth just disgusts me. <laughs> I like, ugh. so this story is really bothering me right now. Um, well, I guess I know not to get you a Lego head for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> not freshly picked anyway. Um, so yeah, that's your other story. All right. We don't need to go on that any longer. You know, the scientist poop. By the way, know. I think the average was between one and three days. <laughs> from the story so you know that person on the third day is like please i don't know <laughs> well there's one person who was like they didn't find it <laughs> did you read that no, part yeah there was one person where that just never came out so. oh man so they had to send another lego head, head in to find it <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're just gonna be full of lego heads I'm like yeah um all right so enough about that let's just uh yeah this has been a weird news segment so uh, i like that the toxic avengers like the thing that didn't bother it's like oh that guy just fell in toxic waste has powers that you know what that's reasonable oh someone ate a tiny head and they had that it ends up in their poop that's disgusting i can't even consider it you know so yeah, well i mean to be fair that's real life and toxic that, avenger is fictional that's true so all right anyway let's just let's just get to, to scrooge and now for our feature presentation All right, so Steve, you uh, picked Scrooge for us to to watch because uh, we were kind of kicking around some holiday ideas. Uh, why why did you want to bring this movie up to to talk about on the show? 
So, I mean, there were a couple of reasons. First, it's the 30th anniversary of Scrooge. So I figured that's as good a reason as, as any to talk about it. Uh, two, um, I used to always say that it was one of my three favorite Christmas films. Actually, after watching it again last night, I, I think I just realized that looking back at how often I watch other Christmas films, this is the one I watch the most. It's clearly my favorite Christmas film. Oh, okay. Um, and three, uh, I mean, I, and I say this, and I, I do not say this lightly, but... I know people are going to go to, say, Lost in Translation or one of the Wes Anderson films and say, like, that's Bill Murray's finest performance. Honestly, I think his best it's his best performance in this film. Um, just the turn that he has to make and the person he becomes by the end of the film versus who he is at the beginning of the film. Now, maybe it's not so much acting and it's Bill Murray charm. So that's why I say performance and not, like, his best mm. acting. But um, it gets me every time. So I was while watching this, I was thinking of also uh, Groundhog Day because he actually it's a very oh, yeah. it's a very similar footing. I, I think um, I think Phil the Weatherman is not nearly the horrible person that Frank Cross no. is, <laughs> but the still whole notion of like you you start off an asshole, you you are now been forced the situation of either you know get better or don't, and if you don't, then you're stuck and you're like doomed, or you have to find a way to improve yourself. And I feel right. like. They're, they're different movies with little different points, I guess, but they're very similar arcs. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I also like, I love Groundhog Day. Like, and, oh, yeah. and, and, um, so it, in that one though, I feel like he got a chance to actually be a little bit more goofy with the notion of the time loop. But with this, it's like, even, even him being absolutely evil, there was there just, you, Bill Murray has a way of just like, like snapping off a statement just real quick, just, and you could just dismiss people, cut you down at the knees. It's still funny. And I don't know how not many people have that ability and, and watching this again, which I, you know, I'd seen this a few times. I'm not like, I grew up with this movie. I like it. I just, it's it's not something I've seen recently. I think Mm. I've seen in the past, like, like three or four years. Um, it was just refreshing to get back to this Bill Murray time. I mean, I like the other stuff when he's a little bit more subdued because I think he likes playing more like I just the you mentioned the Wes Anderson stuff. Like I, I like him in that stuff, too. Like just he has a very much more dry delivery about him and some of the things he says there. This it's more like he's still in his like not prime's not the right word, but like peak. 80s Bill Murray is this kind of where we're at with some of this. Yeah, and for as much as I love the movie, I will say that it's it's built totally on his charisma. Like yeah. it's it's clearly a film that showcases how good he is as a lead. Um and I will say also, you know, I'm not somebody who is going to go home and watch just any Christmas movie. Like I like the fact that this movie has cynicism to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Hallmark uh makes like 100 holiday Christmas movies a year anyway, and I guarantee you, like, I shouldn't say I guarantee you, because I haven't seen them, but, like, my general <laughs> feeling is is that they're all pretty much cookie-cutter, and they never go beyond the the superficial uh, aspect of either the holiday or it's always, you know, you know, Jane's got to go home from the city to her rural town and falls in love with the banker who, you know, whatever. Um <laughs> I like how you're like, I've never seen these before, but my favorite one involves, you know, no, I mean, I, withdrawals from the heart. My, uh, my mother-in-law loves them. So I've seen bits and pieces, but so, like, does she and I realize them? I'm not the audience for those movies. That, that's but. fair. Does she love them because they're, they're always, they're, they're well-meaning and they're sweet or, or it's also cause it's like a safe proposition. Like if you're going to watch the movie, it's always going to have a soft landing. Yeah. Okay. I, think so. I um, mean, and, and that, that's nothing wrong with that. Like, I mean, you choose the entertainment 
that you want to, uh, you know, engage with. And if you like that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you, but you're right. Like, um, I had a friend of mine, her, uh, her mom loves this stuff. And we, it would have to be on sometimes we're over at their house. And it's just like, it was, it would be so sweet that it would just, it would just rot your teeth out. Like it hurt to watch some of this like stuff. And that's, you're right. I wouldn't actively choose myself, but I see why people like it. And I don't think that you get without the cynicism that's in the film. I don't think that you get as a big of a, in my opinion, at least a reward for who the character is by the end of the film without it. Um, I mean, the film opens up with three of the best like parodies of a Christmas special that I've ever seen. Uh, there's, you know, the night the, the reindeer died, which is Lee Majors defending Santa Claus's North Pole, Pole uh, workshop. So the 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 um the chain gun that he has is the same one that was used in Predator, which makes it way. even better. Yeah, it's the one Jesse Ventura <laughs> used, where you know, and just like laying waste to the jungle. That's Lee Majors using that that chain gun or that whatever it is, you know, the Gatling gun. You've got Robert Goulet's old fashioned Cajun Christmas. Christmas, and I love I love that in the credits of the movie, it's Robert Goulet as Robert Goulet, Goulet. <laughs> and, and like this shows that Robert Goulet was aware of what he was at the time, but I cannot separate him now from will ferrell like i cannot <laughs> i don't know how many times you've seen him do the goulet yeah. stuff like did you see his conan o'brien appearances where he would just show up and be robert goulet for the entire bit and yeah. never break character like goulet like i cannot <laughs> not think of robert goulet's Cajun christmas yes um and then uh well there's a quick one in there for father, father- loves beaver <laughs> Like all those felt like like a little darker side of like UHF after watching right. like you know after that movie talking about it like so yeah so we I guess maybe if someone hasn't seen Scrooge I don't know I mean if you haven't then definitely watch this I mean we we recommend it highly um uh, what's the name it's the name of the TV station is IBC IBC um and so yeah Frank Cross is like one of the head guys of uh, programming there. And the big thing is with Christmas coming up, there's this live presentation of a Christmas carol, but it's called Scrooge. Yes. And um, so the, it's this like live TV event and he's trying to get as much attention to it, like to scare people into watching this. Yes. And it's like, you know, if there's one thing that you, your life may depend upon it. <laughs> I love the fact that it's like drug addiction. Yeah. Terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> it's showing these awful things yeah. to try and scare you into watching this Christmas special. But I like the later on they find out supposedly an old lady saw one of the ads and like actually had a heart attack and I don't know if she died, but she was like you she know does. Died. he was like then run it every thirty minutes. Like um uh, yeah. And then the newspaper's asking for a quote and he's like, I don't know, it's probably something she ate. <laughs> and she starts to tell the reporter that <laughs> So uh Frank Cross uh, which is Bill Murray. Did you notice that his personal gym? Did you notice the? Oh, that's the, one of my favorite gags in the entire movie. Is like he has this like this little gym area that, it, and uh, on the top and bottom is printed out cross, and it's like a definition. It's like was it a, piece? a thing you nail people to? Yeah, and it's like perfect, right? Like just, I get that they're leading into like there is some allegory here yeah. with the holiday season, but it's like that's such a dick thing to have in your personal <laughs> gym with your last name. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, that you you cannot be supported by, without him and his support. That's it, you know. So, um, so yeah, like he's, you know, he, he's kind of sold his soul uh, for this, like, TV. And this he's very materialistic and very um, dismissive of everybody. And then, like, uh, Bobcat Goldflake's character is someone working on, like, this board of people that are trying to get um, the ads approved. And he provides a little bit of cr- criticism 
to Frank Cross, and then he just gets fired. Yeah. Like, like immediately. Like, thanks within, for the input. See him out the door. You know? <laughs> within like four minutes because he times it. Yeah. Um, so the, the, then you find out there's other ancillary characters that are surrounding, like, that are impacted by his life. And, and then, so because this movie, it's the parallel story of them putting on this live adaptation of A Christmas Carol, he is then also subjugated to the same notion, right? Mm-hmm. So this is by his former boss that's being warned the three ghosts coming. So you go through the arc of The Christmas Carol. Like, that, that's not hiding this movie. That's what it is. Um, I, I, I like this because it's so steeped in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I like that his boss, when he shows up, the Jacob Marley character, how he, since he dialed in the golf course, he's still dressed like a golfer. And the, 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 um, the, the makeup and that everything is fantastic. He looks like a mummified, you know, golf guy. Yeah. And, and I just, it, that works really well. Um, and then whenever Frank shoots him like three times and he, and he drinks the drink and it's all dribbling out of him, that all works well. Like, like, um, knowing that like Danny was Danny Elfman to the score for the movie. Um, and then knowing like you see all this stuff and it's like, it almost feels Burton-esque at times. Mm-hmm. Um, this was directed by Richard Donner, by yes. the way, the guy, you know, lethal weapon man and Superman man. And other man mans, um, and timeline. (laughs) (laughs) We'll forget about that one. Um, but yeah, he, uh, there's, there's these, like the, the, they don't shy away if they're going to go like creepy. And I, and this is still a, a heartfelt movie at times, but there is some imagery in here that I'm like, if this was made today, I don't know if they would go there. Yeah, I mean, he's essentially a walking corpse. Yeah. You know, when he shows up, uh, so much so that there's like a, a mouse in his head running around, and you see it pop out a, a golf, golf ball, ball <laughs> out of the back of his head, which is a wonderful effect. Yeah. Uh, the, I think, and that goes across the board for all the characters, all the makeups, all the design of this movie is really well done. Um, and I think that. Uh, and I, I don't want to be one of those people who constantly is, you know, I don't want to be somebody who's just going to bash um, uh, CGI, but there is certainly a magic to all of the makeups and um, the special effects that they did for this film. Well, even even the middle sequence. So what we, well, we should mention the first the first ghost, um, the ghost of Christmas past is uh, Buster Poindexter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's him. David Johansson. Yeah, yeah, but he played Buster. He yes. was in the New York he Dolls. He was feeling hot, hot, hot. Yes, that, that's what I was trying to explain to my wife while watching. It's like, <laughs> you know, that guy. She's like, who? I'm like, never mind. Uh, you know, like Benicio Del Toro's like distant cousin. Like he just kind of like looks like him a little bit. Uh, he's the cabbie, you know, driving around and I, I liked his kind of gruff. Like I liked his delivery. And then there's the whole bit when they're watching Frank as a younger man working on the Frisbee, the dog show. And he's just, he's just yell along with the audience. I love yeah. like the whole thing. And then at one point, uh, he says to him, he's like, well, what do I know? I'm just the ghost. And it's like, there's this, this great kind of flip it, like cabbie, like New York, like stereotypical cabbie type mentality that he's going through all this. I like that. Yeah. I love him as the, the ghost of Christmas past. And I love his interplay with Bill Murray. And I guess he was cast because he was friends with Bill Murray. Hmm. Um, and I think the two work really well together. Um, and it's a, it's not a really funny moment, but it's a moment where, uh, Frank is watching himself as a little boy and his dad basically like tells him that he's not going to get a a choo-choo train for Christmas or 
tells him to go get a job, basically. Yeah. Because the uh, Frank wants a choo-choo train at the age of four, um, and he gives him veal. Instead. Yeah, it was a nice cut of meat. Yeah. <laughs> who, who wouldn't appreciate that? Uh, but and that was Brian Doyle Murphy playing his father. Yeah. So it was Bill Murray's <laughs> older brother playing his father, his father. in the movie. But uh, before they go in, like Bill Murray's like, I know what you're trying to get. You know, I'm gonna, you're you think I'm just gonna see myself and weep, and you know, he's like, it's not gonna happen. And he's like, when Attila the Hun saw his mother, he's like, it was Niagara Falls. And then there's a moment where Bill Murray's tearing up, and he just leans in and he's like, Niagara Falls, Frankie or Frankie Angel. Like he just says it to him real softly, and uh, it's a wonderful little moment between those two characters yeah. and. Um, you start to get a little bit of the heart of the film by that scene. Um, and then, yes, they flash forward a little bit further to another Christmas past with him on the Frisbee the Dog show. Uh, well, no, uh, they, they, they forward to him working in the office, and then he meets Karen Allen's character. Yeah, yeah. And falls in love. Um, Which, I don't know what it's been like. So I watched uh, I watched Starman uh, for the first time in a long time recently, and she's in that. And then she's obviously in the first Indiana Jones film, and then she's in this I, I, forgive me for like, like what happened like because I feel like she was in some prominent projects mm-hmm. and she's good in all of them like I, I mean I, I mean she's still out there working don't get me wrong but I feel like I, I honestly don't know I don't know I feel like this was the last major thing that I remember her being in doesn't mean that she wasn't in other, other things that I just don't know of yeah. but yeah this is definitely the thing that I remember her being in last but think, think about her three leading men Harrison Ford Jeff Bridges and Bill Murray like yeah. that's that's not a bad thing. I mean, like, but then she did. She's so good in this too. She had. If you need somebody to just look kind of like like um, hurt and sad, mm-hmm. she has the best face for that. Like, she was really, really good at that. Like, you know, oh well, all right, well, I guess we're not together as a couple anymore. Bye. <laughs> like, you know, she just she had a good soul, like a good soulful look to her. Like, so I I liked her this a lot. Um, I and there's a there's so many people in this movie, but. I just want to mention that she is the emotional anchor. I mean, I know you talk about Bill Murray's character being the one to carry the film. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for his love of her and realizing that the, the best thing he had was there the entire time, but he chose a different path. There's even that bit later on where they're in the, the um, homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you get, he's almost there. And then some other stuff kind of pops up and then he just reverts right back to like, basically being like, you know what? I'm done with this. You know, and he's telling her like, the best thing you could do is scrape them off. You got to watch out for you, and he just leaves. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, but she is there. Like he has, to, and then it's also with the, the ghost of Christmas Future when he sees what what becomes of her. And mm. I think it's something that really bothers him almost more so than the other stuff. So I, I have two things that I want to say because yeah. I, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Oh, but sorry. I'm no, going, no. Uh, I'm, I'm jumping from the future, the past, present. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, it's interesting to me though that he sees her and like he's a little heartbroken of who she becomes in the future, mm-hmm. um, and then he sees Calvin, um, who is in a mental asylum, and he's like, "Oh, this is this is doable. We can fix this. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have to happen." But he's still kind of st- who he is, and then he sees what he thinks is his brother's funeral, and like you can tell that he's sad by that too. But it's not until he realizes that it's his funeral that he starts losing it. Yeah. And I think that that's just, uh, that's a wonderful transition. Um, And it shows so much, like, that's the moment that, like, and maybe it's a selfish act, sure, but, like, 
the way that like his character suddenly realizes that it's him in the box and like you, how he's freaking out about don't let them burn me, don't let them burn me. Mm-hmm. It's a very dark thing for a, a holiday film for one, and that the only people that were there for it was his brother and his brother's wife. Yeah, and that's it. You know, um, and I I just I think that that's very powerful. Yeah. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and, but the other thing that I wanted to go back to is is that. Um, Anyone who's ever had like a first holiday with a significant other doesn't even have to be a wife, you know, girlfriend or whatever. Um, that you spend that holiday together as just a couple. I think the scene with him and Karen Allen on their first Christmas is is pitch perfect. I think mm-hmm. um, of what it's like to have your very first Christmas with a significant other, and also. Uh, I'm gonna go through the movie um, at different times and just shout out lines that I love. There's a line in there. It's it's, just, it's a subtle line, but he gives her Ginsu knives, and uh, he looks at her and he's like, "I've never liked a girl enough to give her twelve sharp knives." <laughs> I just his delivery on yeah. that is perfect. It's yeah. like pitch perfect, Bill Murray. Yeah. Um, so you like I and I derailed myself when you're talking about the how there's a lot of practical effects in this and a lot of good makeup effects that. As much as we can appreciate, you know, the the CG assistant things that this isn't in this movie, a lot of what makes some of the sequences work are the the editing, like the snap editing between things and the mm-hmm. way they kind of take you out of out of sorts. Like, especially like the first the Ghost Christmas Past, there are segments where, you know, Bill Murray's looking one direction and then the camera cuts, he's at a different location, he's he's out of sorts. Um, the middle section with uh, Carol Kane as the, uh, the ghost of Christmas present, which I, I love her. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of bits of her just being the shit out of him. And, but the moment of contact cuts to a different sequence. Like there's a yeah. bit uh, after what was it after the, the, the toaster hit to the face, he ends up um, like falling down, but then it cuts to him rolling down a set of stairs. And then she just, she's just floating down on her wings. It's such a great sequence. And it, yeah. just, it sets you up for the next thing that, you know, you don't need, computer effects to do transitions. You could just have smart editing that still sells the joke and still sells this like sense of like, um, cause it, it's not fan. I mean, it is fantasy, but you know, this, um, otherworldliness to a lot of what's going on because she's in control the entire time and he's not, yeah. you know? So I love that sequence. I think, it, I think also too reading about like the fact that she's such a nonviolent person that she was upset that she had to hurt Bill Murray, but then mm-hmm. also she actually tore his lip uh, from mm-hmm. where the lip actually meets, like the inside of your mouth below your teeth, that portion ripped <laughs> from grabbing his, his yeah. lip. And oh, I can't, I, I don't know what that would feel like, but I imagine it's probably pretty painful. Yeah. I just, Carol Kane, like she is just, um, we, we talked about, uh, um, oh, I'm going to forget her name again. She was in Halloween, she was the daughter of Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, uh, the, 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 oh, uh, Judy Greer. Yeah. The, I feel like they're very, similar in the mm-hmm. sense of like that they could play the sweet and then they, the, then they all of a sudden like it just turns sour. Like the, the comic timing is so good. And I, when I'm watching, when I was watching Carol Kane right now, I kept thinking of Judy Greer and a lot of things I've seen her in. And it makes me, I, I have no doubt that she probably like watched Carol Kane growing up, but she has, she has that thing where her voice is so kind of like, you know, higher, higher pitched and kind of, kind of odd. And then she could just like, just, just tear into you. And I, I loved, I love that when you first see her and she has the little sign that says the ball breaker suite, like it's, just like, like it's so, and every single thing she does to him pretty much is like, like every time she touches him with the most part, it's always just to inflict pain of some sort to him. Cause she kept saying, well, the truth hurts. Yeah. And it's like, as much as it's funny for the comedic side of things, 
you know, like that's her point is like, you need to see what's going on now and what people are doing without you. And, um, and then there's also the sweet part too, of whenever they're, when they're at his uh, brother's Christmas party and he's like, they ask the, they ask him, what, what did you get? Um, your brother? And he starts to answer. She shoves her fingers into Bill Murray's ear. So he can't hear what Presley is getting. Yeah. And then she's like, I know something you don't know. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, she was delightful on this. I, I could just, I could watch another hour of her just delivering truths and just punching Bill Murray. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really, I, and I mean, honestly, because the third ghost doesn't really have a personality, it doesn't no. have any lines. Um, you know, I guess if I'm to find fault with the movie, maybe that's one thing that I would be like, you have these two really great, well, three ghosts, technically, if you count his boss at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it would have been interesting to see what maybe that would have been if it was a little bit more of a verbose character. But I guess at that point, you're just trying to get to the end for the transition. Well, and did you notice too that for the, like when you saw death or the ghost of Christmas future, the like when you finally see him in full it's a tv screen yeah like that's flashing back at him and it's like you know if you follow this for this route of of giving your life to tv this is what's going to get and i'm like i thought that was kind of a cool like transition of like basically you know this is your future then also i love the whole bit with the rib cage with all the souls in it yeah and bill murray opening it up and being like oh did we do that we're gonna get phone calls yeah <laughs> like, like, <laughs> um so i um there's a lot in this movie I like. Uh, just reading about the history of it a little bit. We, Steve and I, talked about this before we, start, before we started recording. As we're eating Lego heads, this is before we start recording. We start um, every show off by just eating, eating Lego some Lego heads, heads you know. Um, so Bill Murray had success with Ghostbusters. Obviously, you know, like Saturday Night Live, Caddyshack. Like, you know, he just meat, meatballs, just meatballs, right? Yeah. Um, the stripes, you know, whatever, like just the Those guy, stripes? yeah, yeah. Um, he, um, fruit stripes. It's, it's, it's a story about the gum. Uh, you know, it, you, he couldn't do wrong for the most part. Yeah. Right. So then Ghostbusters comes out. That movie is like this. Oh, so huge that, you know, he had an issue of like dealing with that kind of success. Cause it was too much. Um, and then there's another movie that he got to make because of his, he had so much equity built up of being like a bankable star that he actually made a, a drama, The Razor's Edge, which I've not seen. Uh, it didn't do well. People tore it apart. He took a step back from acting. Yeah. So there, there was roughly a four year period though, which again, Steve and I discussed, there's some stuff he showed up in, in that four years, but not like full on. And this was the movie that brought him back. Cause he actually was considering retiring completely from acting. And so with that being said, and I know you say this is your favorite Bill Murray performance, like I, th- does it, does it change? Not change. Does it make you appreciate that his knowledge, his thought process was, I, I've never been this the headlining actor in a film. I've always been part of an ensemble. That so that way, you know, if something like other people can carry the weight as well, like knowing that he had this kind of apprehension and also was dealing with the struggle of fame. How does that make you feel about his performance? And I know you like it, but yeah. there's a there was a lot more writing on this this um, relatively. It's not a small film, but it, it's 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 a holiday film. It's a known story, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was honestly while I was doing some research on it, uh, I was honestly surprised that you know at the time he kind of trashed this movie. He he basically uh didn't get along with Richard Donner from my understanding he mm-hmm. felt that there were things that were left out of the the film completely that would have made the movie better and that he didn't actually think his performance was great um Richard Donner's side of it was is that he felt like how did he describe it he said it's like 
being on a busy street corner, the traffic lights go out, there's a blackout, and you're the the cop giving direction. Yeah, and he also you know? said that like he liked working with Bill Murray. He was like he's like he was difficult, but he's like, but what actor isn't? So right. it's like I think that's a very polite way of saying yeah, we disagreed. So I'm not saying that either one of them's wrong. I could see how it'd be a bigger deal for Bill Murray than Richard Donner, who, I mean, you know, think about the movies he he actually, you know, dealt with and made before this. Yeah. You know, like, this isn't his first rodeo to probably run into a production with problems, right? Yeah. So, Oh, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 he, Murray said that Donner kept telling him to be louder. Yeah. And, and he was like, well, I thought he was deaf. That's <laughs> what he said about that. <laughs> And so I don't know if what, and then Donner wasn't necessarily used to uh, his, to Bill Murray's improvisational skills. Yeah. So there's like, so you could see in this movie that clearly there are points of dialogue that they have to hit. But if you don't let Bill Murray, that's something else that Donner said too. He's like, you don't really so much direct Bill Murray. You just kind of pull him in. And I think that's probably the best way to approach it is like you, you got this guy here for a reason, you know what he's capable of doing just, you know, maybe, maybe just like nudge him a little bit as opposed to telling him what he can and can't do. Cause if you do that, you're not going to like what's coming out, you yeah. know? Cause I feel like he's going to be the kind of guy that's going to find ways to screw with you the entire time just to piss you off, you know? Yeah. And I do love, again, I keep going back to the, the darker humor in the film, but there's a scene where a censor is looking at a, uh, a dancer whose nipples are showing through her costume. <laughs> and one, there's a great line, which I guess was improvised by the actor, yeah. where this uh, guy who's playing a handyman, he's like, he's like, you can barely see those nipples. <laughs> and then the yeah. censor gets hit in the face with, a, a, with a, a gigantic pole and is knocked unconscious. And as Bill Murray's walking away, he's like, well, I'll just make sure her nipples are covered up. Yeah. I... Oh my god, I laugh so hard at that every time I see that scene as well. Um, but those types of moments are what make this film for me. And then fo just directly following that, there's a scene where he tells somebody to staple antlers to a mouse's, mouse's head. Because <laughs> um, they're like, well, the glue, the super glue isn't working. He's like, have you tried staples? And everyone's like, what? Because well, there's also the whole discussion too. Like, there's some big satirical things that go on in this film. Like the one of his his one of his current bosses is like, "Hey, did you know that there's a number of cats and dogs out there that are now?" And studies show that they that they're starting to watch TV. So the whole thing is they want the mice in there to <laughs> to uh, you know to attract the cat viewers. And then there's a joke later on when the show's going live that older gentleman's in his like mansion with his wife with like eight cats running around. And then like, you get to the bit with the mouse with the antlers on you see the cats staring at the screen he's like see i told you like it was such a throwaway little thing but it, they paid it off paid later, it off later and, and, so i like that and it spoke to that like the intros the the, the things you talked about at the beginning of the night the radio died you know um bob goulet's cajun christmas and you know father loves beaver those were all just like you know shots and yeah. fired right so there's a lot of that uh and then the whole uh the you'll love it you know like there's all these things that go on that are definitely poking fun at television so the movie knows what it is. And then also the whole stunt casting of all the actors that are in the live production. Mm -hmm. You have, um, Jamie uh, Farr, Jamie Farr. You see him for like a second in the yeah. film. You have a uh, buddy, buddy Hackett, yeah. which is funny. Cause through the whole movie people like Bill Murray's like, buddy, calm down. It's like, is he saying his name or is he just like buddy, you yeah. know? Uh, and then, uh, Mary Lou Retton as tiny Tim, which, um, you know, it, 
I, that's just funny to me because like you got to have they got to have the athlete right in there right and this is right after she had her her whole big gold medal like you know winning performance where she got a perfect score and all this stuff so of course you got to get her in there and then they, they made the whole thing of like she's gonna do the somersault and then she'll do the thing with her arms and everybody's <laughs> gonna love it um so yeah i like and the solid gold dancers were in it like this whole like they it just they kept adding more and more to this production of you know a christmas carol that was great well also too going back to uh, Bob Goldthwaite's character of Elliot Loudermilk. Uh, there's a running gag with him throughout the movie where he's trying to, he's getting drunk and like he's giving blood. Yeah. <laughs> and like he, he's kind of intersecting with Bill Murray's character in the background until he finally loses it at the end and shows up at the studio with a shotgun. Yeah. Um, all that stuff is wonderful. I think that was the first time that we saw, I mean, there's still a little bit of the Bobcat Goldthwait persona in that character, but it's the most normal character at that point that he'd probably played. Yeah, he his the way he had a certain deliver with his lines, his the, the, his character, right? The whole Bobcat voice. Yeah. Uh, it, like, that you know from Police Academy and his stand-up is there, and it, and it serves well for the unhinged uh, version of it later. Yeah. You know, when he's like skulking around with the gun and he's singing, you know, uh, Santa Claus has come to town and, and all that. And it's like, in thinking of, of people now, I think of Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny being like, this would be almost like the perfect ancillary sure. <laughs> uh, character like for that. So yeah, I like that bit. I like it whenever he shows up with the shotgun though, is like death is about to take, sorry, future uh, future christmas about to take bill murray and you see this big hand skeleton hand reaching out for him and all yeah. of a sudden you know he shows up with a shotgun and the hand just pulls oh, away where it's like <laughs> oh we'll see how this plays out <laughs> it, was, it was great and then him holding the control room hostage with the gun and he's trying everybody to sing at the end it's like it's so it's so like crazy i uh, love too when he takes a, a phone call from uh bill murray's boss at the very end of the control room and uh He's like, uh, who put him on TV? He's like, oh, it was, it was Bryce. Bryce is the slimy producer that uh, is kind of Bill Murray's rival on the, the the film, which we haven't even talked about him, uh, played by John Glover, who it's a fantastic performance as well. Isn't he? Wasn't he the the, the main corporate guy in Gremlins too? He's the he's For, the Donald Trump. Yeah, of Clamp too. was it Clamp yeah. Industries or whatever it was. So and, yeah, uh, he's also uh, Lionel Luther in the Smallville series. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, he's talking to him, and he's like, uh, he says that you're a flatulating butthead. <laughs> yeah. He said he never really felt that way about a man before, but he thinks you're something special. And there's just stuff like that that's so off the wall that, that makes me laugh. Um, and I guess we're probably winding down towards the end, but I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, and I, we're going to go into your other show for just a second here. Uh, you talked about on uh, your show Strange Highways that you do with uh, Kevin that you did not expect a Christmas episode that was shot on video in the second season to be one of your favorite episodes. And you talked about how that 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 movie also or that show you know caught you off guard and you actually teared up while watching it. Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, geez, just air my dirty laundry out in front of everybody. <laughs> Well, if they listen to Strange I know, Highways, I just, they know. Um, I've already admitted to just being like disgusted by paper and mouth tonight. So, uh, like, as I'm watching Black and White Santa Claus, yeah. Well, I have a, a similar thing with this, although it's obviously something I've longed for, loved for a very long time. When uh, Bill Murray, there's a, a scene where they, after he has seen the light and he's taken over the production uh, on Christmas Eve and is just basically throwing a gigantic party. Um, and he's making, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, 
he's not trying to write things, but he's like, I, I get it now. I, he's trying to explain to the audience like how he realizes mm-hmm. that like goodness should be what his goal in life is and, and being kind to others. And it, there's just a, a very quick turn where he looks at the camera and he's glassy eyed. And like he's like, if you if you want it, you can have it every day. It doesn't have to just be Christmas, you know. If you do it, you're gonna like it, and the more you like it, the more you're gonna want it. And he's like, you know, you can uh, call an old friend, you can um, find somebody who hasn't eaten, and be like, here, here's some food. You, it doesn't have to be big things. Through the whole th- thing, he's like almost breaking, mm-hmm. and I actually almost tear up every time I see that scene because he's so wonderful performing that. Um, I don't know that like in any other holiday movie or whatever that there's anybody who, ah, what's the word I'm looking for here, uh, at least presents what the spirit of what Christmas is in a, a better way. I mean, okay. you might be able to, you know, say, oh, uh, it's a wonderful life. You know, um, it is amazing watching George Bailey run down the middle of the street yelling Merry Christmas, everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great moment. We all love seeing Ralphie, uh, you know, shoot his eye out. <laughs> we all, <laughs> uh, I, you know, we all love to see Clark uh, blow the house up with lights um, or the tree uh, catch on fire. But, like, that moment to me is just sort of like, I don't know if, it, I don't want to say that it distills the, the holiday down for me, but it's a, it's, a, it's a moment that, to me, is very impactful and gets me every time. Um, and I guess in the sense that, like, you, you, you would think that, like, watching a movie about a very cynical Christmas movie that has a turn like that wouldn't be something that would get me very much like... Uh, an episode of the Twilight Zone shot on film about Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, you, I guess you know, the context it's... I should provide is that I, when it comes to like the the celebrating of Christmas and this stuff, I'm not I'm not a big Christmas guy. I just, I, I mean, I like presents. So if you guys want to send me stuff, I'll, I'll open it. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, but it's like I, you know, it just it's just something that after working retail like for over a decade mm. and just in my own feelings about things, it's just it, it's fine. That it's just not it's not the thing that like I I still have coworkers that that are super excited. Like my, my one buddy, you know, I just, I just want to wring his neck, but like get like October 1st, it's like he, you know, he pretty much already in Christmas mode. And I'm like, dude, it's not even just don't, don't do it. Right. Yet. And then it's like, and then the moment like Halloween kicked off, it's like his whole desk was decorated and there's the countdown clock and all this stuff. And I'm like, I kind of wish I had that excitement for things. Mm-hmm. I just don't anymore. Um, so when it comes to like watching the, the Christmas related things, it takes, it takes a lot to kind of get me to be like, oh, well, maybe I should be nice to people. I don't know. <laughs> and there was the, the, there's an episode of Twilight Zone season two. I forget what episode number. It's called Night of the Meek. And it's, um, oh, um, we just talked about him last week. Uh, flipping B. Arthur. B. Arthur. Yeah, it was B. Arthur. No, it was um, uh, who the, 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 the handyman guy in the Christmas special. Yes. And now, because you're asking me, I'm blanking on his name. Oh. It's, uh, it's, um, yeah. Uh, you know, the other honeymooner. Yeah. Uh, Ra- Ralph Cramden was the character's yes. name. <laughs> uh, Art Carney. Art Carney. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. And he plays this basically drunk that is a mall Santa that, uh, all he wants to do is bring a little kindness in the world. And he ends up finding the sack that gives people what they want. And it's like, and he's like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing this. And it's like such a, a wonderful turn in that. Yeah. And he's so sincere that, yeah, the first time I saw that, I'm like, and, I, and I, we were watching it in November because it's just the way the show kind of fell. And I'm like, why am I getting emotional in a different month 
for a show that's set about a holiday that I'm indifferent to in an episode of Twilight Zone that is actually shot on video, so it doesn't even look great. It's like all these things that should be like, this should be the worst episode ever. And I'm just like almost just like just sobbing at the end of it, being like, this thing's amazing. So yeah, I can I can relate. Um yeah, I mean yeah. that was my long-winded way of going about that. Like listening to you talk about that episode is kind of how I feel about that moment in Scrooge. Yeah. I almost will tear up every time I see it. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I what, what, there was was there anything else I was going to mention? I'm sure there's other things to mention, but uh, um, it, it, this was it was good to revisit this. It's always like like so you were going to ask me before we start recording like what are the holiday things I kind of put in rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Night of the Meek probably is in there. I should probably watch it again this year since I liked it so much last year. Uh, this is certainly in there. I know I hadn't watched it recently, but I, this would be on my short list of what I'd want to watch. Uh, Elf, I can't not not watch. I mm-hmm. like that movie. Just I saw that thing in the theater and I was almost on my knees laughing the first time I saw that because it was like the first zany Will Ferrell like vehicle, right? Because yeah. he was an old school as like, a you know, the, Frank like, the tank. Yeah. And so I mean, talking about somebody like carrying his own film. Like I, I, Elf is wonderful, and then, but I think the one I always have to come back to is this Christmas Vacation, and that, that one gets funnier for me every time I watch it because mm-hmm. there's so much going on, and it's like in comedy. I'm sure there's still really good, well written comedy right now, but there's something about like there, there's there's good layering and callbacks and just so much stuff going on in that movie, and Chevy Chase. Uh, which is his own kind of polarizing comedic figure. This was kind of at his, like maybe just past his peak of yeah. like, you know, but he, he has charisma and a sarcasm too. Like that's obviously very different than Bill Murray. Cause clearly those guys didn't get along. Yeah. Um, but like, there's something about Clark Griswold that you always want to cheer for, but he also kind of has this del- like delusions of grandeur until they collapse around him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I love Christmas vacation. Yeah. Um, of you know when i said there are three that i love it's it's christmas story scrooged and um christmas vacation elf is definitely up there now um but like when it comes to actual like specials um star sure, wars holiday special <laughs> oh by the way i just went i told steve for a short recording bill murray's character was nicknamed lumpy in this so this is back-to-back episodes in which we have a character that was referred to as lumpy yeah, and we did not plan that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so next week we got to find a way to work lumpy into the episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, going to be all about oatmeal. We're going to talk about oatmeal <laughs> and hidden Lego heads. All right. Uh, for me, like there are certain things that I go to uh, for Christmas when it comes to TV, just specials. Uh, one of my favorites, and it's because it's terrible, is the Brady Bunch Christmas from like '87. I have not a, seen this. Oh, I, it's, I, it's on Hulu. It's. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. Uh, that, like, uh, yeah. I I, lo- I have to watch it every year because it's so terrible. Um, I watch a uh, um the Tick, uh, multiple Santas, which is a wonderful episode. Um, there's <laughs> yeah. a episode of Batman the animated series called uh, uh, I believe it's called Holiday Nights. It takes place over um, Christmas through New Year's. It's wonderful. And then there's a episode of Justice League um, that's set at Christmas that I always watch. Uh, the animated Justice League, not the movie, obviously. Um, <laughs> but uh, what gets me about it is, is it kind of shows how different people celebrate uh, the, the holiday during the the episode. And uh, my favorite bar- uh, bit about it is, is that Hawkgirl can't really she can't really figure out what Christmas is about. And like, so she, she takes a, um, John Stewart to a planet. That's kind of like her, the planet. green lantern, not the actual yeah. other. John Stewart. Yeah. Not, you, they, they, you know, I'm really confused about yeah. life. I'm just gonna take John Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, to this planet to, to celebrate, essentially. And the way they celebrate is basically by getting in a gigantic bar fight. Which is just, it's wonderful that it's a holiday special that takes place where there's a gigantic bar fight going on. Um, but uh, those those are the ones that I go to, and I, I'm I'm always hoping that something else is going to slide in, um, but did, did it's you, a hard nut to crack at this point. Did like, you watch Community at all? I did, uh, and we have the, the um, Community from, the, I think it's the first season, maybe it's the second season. We actually bought from the NBC store the actual ornaments of them from the animated special oh, they did. Oh, nice. I was thinking more, but there, you're right, there is the, the claymation special they did, but there's one in season three where um, they have to fill in for the Glee Club, and it's like a musical episode, Okay, and it's where they're getting ready for their Christmas special. We just watched it a couple nights ago. It is, it's... Um, it's great, and it's it's like basically, it, uh, it's like this guy Taron Killam is uh, the choir guy or like the Glee guy, and he's trying to recruit all of them. And the way they get recruited is very much like uh, um, like an invasion of the body snatchers, where like they kind of get <laughs> roped in with the song, and then they go and find other people. And get, it's like it's just, there, there's literally just a moment where uh, someone's screaming, and it just zooms in in their mouth, just like it was like at the end of like the seventies one. So a seventies body snatchers. So if you've not seen that, you should check it out. It's I, great. I haven't revisited community in a long time. I'll have to go look for oh, it. Oh, it's so good. So anyway, yeah. Um, I, I got nothing. I mean, I, I had this whole other thing I was going to get into about the Christmas Carol story, but you know, I'm pretty sure people know like a little bit about it. If not go, go read on a, uh, about it. Charles Dickens uh, was kind of a pop star at the time. Like he was a rock star with like the books he's putting out. Mm-hmm. Christmas Carol kind of existed because he had a fifth kid on the way and his previous book stopped selling as well. So he just jammed this thing out in like a few weeks. Really? And, yeah. And it was basically like, but he was passionate about it. And so like he was, uh, that people had observed him kind of like going from moments of like, like tears to laughter as he's writing this whole thing. So like he was so wrapped up in it and then he would like take these long walks at night to kind of get his head together and write more and more. But the whole thing was like, I have, I have bills to pay. (laughs) So that's funny. And that within like a year or so of it being published, there were already stage plays of this being put on. So, that just speaks to the the people to to the power of this narrative of the redemption of the cruel man that once was just a you know a regular like you know regular person but you see there how their slide into where they were was gradual by the decisions that they made at the time and then there's this possible redemption I don't know if something can be turned around in a single night by talking about, hey, look at your life. You've been shitty to people. You know what? Let's buy everybody a turkey. Like, I don't think right. that's – but there's that, and there, there's something about the holiday um, th- that there's this hope, you know, and and the fact that Dickens put this out at the same time that, 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 um, that there was this kind of renaissance of – or reimagining of how to spend the holidays, mm-hmm. that a lot of that we take now as tradition was kind of becoming – like, that was kind of the new way to do things then. And just having – Having he was actually kind of responsible also for the phrase "Merry Christmas" showing up again. Hmm. So there's a lot there. Like it was something that was been spoken about since like 300 years before him, but it wasn't really used commonly. But because it's in a Christmas Carol, that's kind of how it became permeated in like the holiday. Yeah. So there's a lot there. Anyway, Which is interesting because yeah. even though I celebrate Christmas, anytime somebody says "Merry Christmas" to me, I just punch them in the face and yell, "It's Happy Holidays." <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're like, Feliz Navidad. He's like, punch him. And it's like, you know, I think that's Merry Christmas. I'm like, well, shut up. He's punching. I celebrate Boxing Day. Yeah, yeah, literally, right now. And now it's going to be Kicking Day right after that. So, 
Uh, but yeah, like, um, so it just, again, speaks to the power of this narrative and the, the, and like also because it's kind of fall in the public domain, anybody can do a Christmas Carol type of thing. Right. So, yeah. and it's the, it's an easy, th- it's not, it's easy to go back and copy it. Right. Cause it's basically a three act story already set up. Yeah. So, I mean, how many TV specials follow this? How many things follow the same narrative? Right. And there's a reason why it works. People like it. And I think Scrooge works really well because it's, it was able to fit, um, some different types of humor in there and it had more going forth than just being a straight up Christmas Carol adaptation. Yeah. I like how you've got this, uh, nice little educational piece at the end of the segment where I'm just like, you know, spouting off lines and like, you know, I, I'm like, I like that part. I like this part. <laughs> no, I, that's, I, I, you remember that part with Bill Murray? That's all we do anyway. So I just, I was trying oh, no. to bring something in. No, I do. I yeah. like that because I, I was listening to, um, talk about rhythm again today and uh, listening to uh, Al Goro eloquently speak about uh, let the I, I let always, the right one in. Yeah. I, I always want to say, I can't remember if it's let me in or let the right one. in. Let me one in's is, the American okay. remake. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm like, God, he's, he's really like, he's, he's spouting some serious knowledge here and I'm going to go tonight and talk about <laughs> Scrooge and I'm going to be like, and I like when Bill Murray does this yeah, and no, he's funny and, and yeah. then movie then- <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be like chris farley and be like hey remember that time that was pretty cool no i i think you brought some great context about why you like it why it works and it's, it's not just a blow by blow description of what happened right so and um, then yeah right so anyway uh yeah uh if you guys have a favorite holiday special let us know uh we're on our facebook page it's evasion the podcast uh you can find us evasion podcast.com it's linked to our blog where um that's me badly writing about movies that we watch for you the knockoff um, and you can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, rate and review us. They'd be greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you? Now, here's the interesting thing. I know a lot of you have been like, oh, we listen all the all the time, so we know all about your webcomic, The Saturday Night Slasher. However, I'm going to tell you to go someplace new tonight. And it's it's not, you know, someplace bad. Um, I am now on Etsy, or the Saturday Night Slasher is now on Etsy. Uh, if you go look for The Art of the Slash, you can buy the first issue of the printed comic, uh, which is uh, 28 pages. Um, you can also buy art prints of the Saturday Night Slasher or different things that I've done artwork for. Maybe you're like, you've, maybe you've got a little one on the way and you're decorating their room and you're like, you know what this room needs? A, a painting of Freddy Krueger. I have that on there. <laughs> um, so you could buy stickers, pins, uh, comics, uh, original art prints uh, from us on Etsy right now. Look for the art of the Slash and that's going to be us. Can you please at least do one mini portrait of Slash from Guns N' Roses and put it in there? <laughs> so that way... If anybody actually stumbles across this, like, oh, the art of the slash, and like, oh, oh, and there's other things. I think that'd be great. Like people, like that'd be the greatest troll job of like to sneaking in like a top hat or something or well, whatever. It's funny too because I was trying to figure out a name for it, and like they don't let you put spaces or anything in between, so it all reads as one word, and that was really hard for me to like wrap my brain around. I'm like, well, how do I name it? The clever, and then it just looks like you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, but I will, I will. Uh, put a picture of Slash, or at least somebody in a top hat. That would just be, I think it'd be great. <laughs> it's just, just everybody suddenly in. will be wearing top hats yeah, like just, Slash. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, um, yeah, before we get to, I guess, you know, since we're talking about Science Slasher, before we get to our game here, I guess we should just talk about next episode. I think mm-hmm. that seems pertinent. So, 
I'll let you set the stage for that as well. So we're going to have Slash on the show. That's we're going to have true. Slash on yeah. the show. It's going to be awesome. Um, I'm going to ask him if he remembers that time he was standing on a railroad <laughs> do, track do, in front do, of a Do you remember church? that time that you were playing the guitar and the, the camera just zoomed all around you? <laughs> and it was a really sweet solo. Do you remember that? Hey, Slash, remember your Snake Pit and no one bought that album? Do you remember that? I think people bought that album. <laughs> um, no, uh, next week on the show, we're going to have uh, my partner in crime, uh, or at least my other partner in crime, um, Ryan Cassandy, is going to be joining us uh, to talk about uh, the covers that we're doing for John and Carol's holiday art show and other things. So okay. it should fun. be a fun episode. Yeah. So, all right, let's just, uh, let's just get to our, our game here. Time to play the game. Okay, I'm not going to go on with the rest of that. That's uh, that, that is brutal. That's some jingle cats. I think you're thinking uh, amazing. Amazing, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, so, all right. This game, it's uh, it's it's a take on the 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 Mary F. Kill. It's gonna it's it's more holiday themed. It's a naughty nice or or on ice, meaning uh, I'm gonna give you a pair of three uh, people or or things we don't know, and you're gonna tell me which one's gonna be on your naughty list, on your nice list, and then which one you just completely just kill off because you know it had to rhyme and death has to be involved somehow. All right. So, first one we got Buddy the Elf, Elf on the Shelf. And then Elfo from uh, Disenchantment. Ooh. All righty. So I guess uh, Naughty is Mary, right? Sure. Whatever. Just like <laughs> if, if, I, if you just want to say, like, listen, this guy's this one's nice. No problems. This one's naughty. You're not getting Jack, you know, from Santa. And then Ice is you're dead. So you're All not right. Well, Ice anyway. is, is Elf on the Shelf. He's gone. <laughs> that creepy little guy. Um He's gone. Elfo is definitely naughty. Uh, and then uh, why is Elfo naughty? Uh, just because. Uh, well, I guess he's not really. It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> he's more naughty, I guess, than um, than Elf. Than Buddy the Elf. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is weird because I always feel like I'm saying Alf uh, instead of Elf. <laughs> Buddy the Elf. <laughs> I'll but be yeah. right back. Yeah. I mean, Buddy's yeah. just too kind-hearted. Uh, he he tells everybody about the world's best coffee. He, um, you know, uh, makes amazing Christmas displays in mm-hmm. the middle of the night. Um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, I feel like Elfo is naughty because uh, um, he wants to be. Actually, I mean, that's part of disenchantment. He doesn't want to have the normal life. That's he wants true. To taste the fruits of of what you know, living outside of his society is like. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So next one, Tim Allen, Santa from the Santa Claus, uh, Santa paws from Santa paws, which I'm not even sure if they actually call the dog Santa paws, but that's one of those buddies, like the, the Disney buddies movies mm-hmm. spinoffs, which started off as air bud where like, and there was a dog, a gold retriever that could play sports to then a gold retriever that had puppies that could talk. Then they could do sports. And then those puppies also went to go find Santa. It's, it's it's just a hellish hellscape of movies, <laughs> but there's one called Santa Paws. I don't know if that's the name of an actual dog, but whatever Santa Paws or an actual mall Santa. So you got to tell me whichever one you want to, because you know mall Santas, whatever one you want to imagine. All right. Well, I'm going to say this first. The nice is going to be Santa Paws because I have golden retrievers. 
love golden retrievers. Um, I would, I, I would, I would love more golden retrievers mm-hmm. actually. And if Santa Paws showed up at my house, <laughs> I would welcome him or her uh, with open arms. Nice, um, okay, because they're great companions. Uh, this is really a Sophie's choice here: a who to kill <laughs> off. Um, Oddly enough. That's the word usage that we were coming up with. My, my wife helped me put this together. Uh, we were actually, it was on the drive back from Steel City. And she's like, yeah, she said the word Sophie's Choice. I'm like, that's what I want. I want Steve to think about these. I mean, I did recently watch the Honest trailer for uh, um, the Santa Claus. Uh, and they point out the fact that, like, essentially you have to murder Santa Claus <laughs> yes. in order to become the next Santa Claus. And then his son says he's going to go into the family business at the end of the movie. It's like, uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do I become Santa Claus then if I if sure. I off Santa if, Claus? If you ice Tim Allen from the Santa Claus, you become Santa, I guess. I mean, I'm trying to take weight off. I, I'm going to uh, Key West in uh, uh, February, uh, so I don't know that I want to put on more weight and have a big bushy beard so i guess we're gonna have to make him nice and uh well you, you put santa paws on the on oh the i'm nice. sorry yeah so so he's just naughty yeah and then so we, you're just gonna strip kill him all santa yeah like, this guy might just be out there chances you know. are he's probably drunk and he's not gonna get a bag of goodies <laughs> to give out to people yeah that's true it's all right all right so next one's frosty the snowman Snowman? My, snowman. Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> this is Frosty Snowman um, of the Hampton Snowmans. Uh, Michael Keaton is Jack Frost. Uh, and Sam the Snowman from Rudolph. The, oh. the Rankin-Bass, uh, you know. Um, That's, uh, oh, oh uh, who's, the, who's the voice for that? It's... Uh, Oh God, that's gonna bug me. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll look it up. I, I want to say Raymond Burr, but it's not Raymond <laughs> Burr. It's uh. Oh, all right. So, uh, Frosty is definitely nice. Um, I mean, killing him off or icing him really isn't going to do anything since <laughs> you know all it takes is a hot day and he's 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 done for. Um. Um, so we'll Burl, make him Burl nice. Ives. Burl Ives. Okay. See, I had Burr and Burl um, very close together. Raymond Burl Ives, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Excuse me. Nice is going to be Frosty because he's such a nice guy. And he always wishes you a happy birthday yes. whenever you put the hat on. That's yeah. true. Um, oh, boy. Who are my other choices again? Michael Keaton from Jack Frost. Okay. Because he died and comes back as a snowman. Yeah. So if you kill him a second time... He's going to come back. Yeah, That's I don't a, know. Maybe. There is a, a horror movie called Jack Frost. Uh, yeah. Uh, similar. Um, I don't know. It, it feels like he's Batman. It feels wrong to kill him off. So you're going to kill Sam the Snowman? Yeah. I'm going to kill <laughs> Sam the <laughs> you're Snowman. Gonna, you're going to kill Raymond Burl Ives there. All right. So, all, right. all right. Next one's uh, Heat Miser. The yes. Grinch and Hans Gruber. All right. Well, which I wrote as Hansen Gruber. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> um, I mean, the Grinch is is. I do like me the Grinch. Uh, you know, maybe it's the Boris Karloff connection. Um, so I'm gonna call him naughty. Okay. Um. Heat miser. Hmm. You might help stop global warming if you destroy him. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
I mean, you know, uh, I was going to make a joke about <laughs> climate change, but I'm not going to. Um, okay. hmm. Yeah, I guess we'll kill off the heat miser because uh, it's been pretty awful lately. So, so you're going to say Hans Gruber's your nice list? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's going to die anyways, falling off of a window, uh, falling off of a building. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you could save him. I don't know. Like, you know, just you know, do I have to kill John McClane in the in the? Maybe I don't know. I mean, you're going to be hanging out with Hans Gruber. Who knows? All right. So next set here. Um, this is where this gets a little. This doesn't get so holiday related. You'll see why in a second. Uh, we have Skeletor, Cobra Commander, or Mumra. Like so, you have those. Oh wow. Um, I'm gonna say Skeletor's nice because I <laughs> I love uh, nice. I love on the animated uh, you know He Man show that uh, he was always uh, calling people boobs. And, well, uh, doesn't during their holiday special doesn't he actually learn like about the power of Christ or something and this feels bad? <laughs> <coughs> I haven't revisited the holiday special, but now I kind of want to. Um, wow, um, that would be amazing though. <laughs> like if it's you know suddenly Skeletor becomes like a, a reborn Christian um, <laughs> and becomes truly evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm Christian, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or I, I follow, I, I don't have a denomination. We're getting into a weird area now. Um, That's especially revolving Skeletor. That's yeah, why I like that. Um, so yeah, I, I he just because he calls everybody boobs, I'm going to, you know, um, <laughs> I, I like the fact that he's, he's not afraid to undercut his, you know, underlings. Okay. With, uh, so you can put him on the nice list. Yeah, a nice... So, um, Cobra Commander Mumra. I guess I'm gonna kill off Mumra, um, just by the simple fact that I was never really a Thundercats kid. Okay. Um, so I don't really have a good rationale other than, uh, I mean, Cobra Commander, you know, far worse fate falls him if you've ever seen the GI Joe movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where he just becomes a gigantic snake, um, because of Cobra. La 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 la. Um. <laughs> So you're gonna put him on the night list. He won't get yeah, gifts, but he will become a snake. Yeah, so he'll become okay. a, he'll, he'll become a, a snake after. Uh, I'm trying to remember is it him or Serpentor who throws the snake into Duke's chest, and I don't know. Yeah. Long All story. right. So next set, uh, Orko. We're just still at He Man. Snarf, oh. uh, which is also from Thundercats, and Glomer, which was the thing on the Punky Brewster show. Oh yeah. Um, as much as I enjoyed He Man as a kid, I hated Orko. I really hated Orko. Yet somehow I was like disappointed when Gwildor showed up instead of Orko. Figure that in the, one in out. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh boy. Again, I don't really know Snarf, so I guess we'll just put him on the nice list because it's going to be between the other two. I feel like Glomer's evil. Like just, <laughs> I, I don't know. He's hanging around with voice. the young girl. You don't know what's going on. It's just you know, it's you got you have to ask questions. Yeah, he's yeah. got that weird voice, and uh, he he's definitely uh, don't think it wears pants. I don't if I remember right. Doesn't wear pants. That's probably also a questionable thing. So yeah, yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna uh, kill kill Orko. Yeah. Sorry, Ice Orko. Ice Orko. Let Snarf live, and then you're gonna put Glomer on the naughty list. Yeah. That's that's fair. All right. All right, this next one has a little bit of holiday still, and then it gets, it's going to get weird after that. Weirder. Uh, we have a few more. Uh, Rudolph, Bambi, and because we couldn't find another deer, Bullwinkle. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like Bambi's already suffered enough, right? Like, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 
you know, watching your own mother be murdered. I think that that's pretty traumatic, you know. And actually, how do we know that Bambi didn't suddenly become, like, vengeful at that point? Yeah. That's the movie that I want is, you know... Baby like Thump versus out. Sidekick, you yeah. know, this guy, like they're they're Robin. It's Robin, and they go around <laughs> and beat up beat up people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I feel like Bambi's got to go on the nice list. Okay. Um. Rudolph or uh, the Moose. Um. Yeah. You know ty- what? Typing in famous deer doesn't really help you much in <laughs> Google. Yeah. <laughs> What, what what kind of responses did like, you get? Like Bambi, Bambi's mother, Rudolph. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, at that point then, uh, probably, I'm, I'm probably going to kill Rudolph. Okay, you know? that's fine. Because I, I feel true. like, you know, uh, he was, you know, granted he was picked on, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> He he's he certainly had no trouble lording it over everyone once he did. That's yeah. true, um, and I'd say with Bullwinkle, if you're gonna put him on the naughty list, just because he always was trying to pull stuff out of a top hat, and it was never right, so he was always fooling the squirrel, you know. So, um, so all right, next set. All right, uh, this this is all dependent upon if you remember the Silent Live skit. Frankenstein, Tonto, and Tarzan. Of course, I remember that. <laughs> um. Well, you know Frankenstein is going on the the, the nice list. Yeah, and that so. was Kevin Nealon. No, no, Kevin Nealon. He played. Um, he was. Yeah, he he was. Um, was he Tarzan? No, yeah, he was Tarzan because uh, Phil, Phil Hartman, Hartman was Frankenstein, yeah. and then Tonto was John Lovitz. Uh, we're gonna kill Tonto just because it's John Lovitz. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I I I really did like the critic when it was on. So uh, I just like that there was no hesitation. You yeah, know, like, I've been like, hey, if I just give you a list, of John Lovitz, like I didn't even tell you what we're doing. <laughs> So then uh, Tonto's on the bad list. Uh, sorry, no, Tonto's dead. Tarzan's on the bad list. Yeah. All right. And then Frankenstein's on the Frankenstein's okay. monster is on the. Okay. Um, <laughs> Kit. So Ooh. Turbo Team or Herbie, the love bug. Oh, that one's easy. Herbie, the love bug's going down. <laughs> um, my wife has a thing for like Disney movies but not the animated film she loves all the all live, live action, action stuff yeah. oh no of the ilk of condor man if you will um i am of the exact opposite notion uh where i, I outside can't. of tron anything around that i don't really care for yeah it, it's not really my my bag um although i've never seen the black hole and i've always meant to get around it yeah and that too and then there's also um dragon slayer dragon is it Dragon Slayer or is it Dragon? I think it's Dragon Slayer that has Peter McNichols in it. That was a Disney... oh, I'm thinking Dragon Slayer. So yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I never got the appeal of the Herbie movies. I just didn't. I know, you know, I, I. So yes, easily we're uh, icing uh, Herbie. Um, also because he's a Volkswagen bug. <laughs> um. Kit is going on the nice list just because, you know, he's cool. And he, so he, he helped Michael out of a lot of, you know. It's true. Uh, so you're going to put Turbo Teen on the naughty list just yeah, because, you know. Which is funny because I actually referenced Turbo Teen in the Saturday Night Slasher. There's a scene where they're just throughout the night, you see different snippets of their That's conversation. That's right. There's a conversation between her and, um, and the candy guy. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so yeah okay well then whatever you know you should have been nicer turbo teen all right so last one here this one this one might be easy for you but it also might be a challenge so it's going to be count chocula frankenberry or booberry so now that's the real like sophie's choice (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, Boo Berry's going on the nice list, hands down. It's my favorite of the monster cereals. I'm sure I've talked about it before on the show. Yes. Um, I love Boo Berry. I, I, I bought from Fright Rags a Boo Berry mask and t-shirt. <laughs> um... So yeah, that's going on my nice list. Uh, when it- Please tell me that there's a someday that you're going to walk around that mascot in your house <laughs> with like the curtains open and people are just going to walk by and like like you'll just like s- like slowly walk through and then stop and just turn your head, look out the window like you're like just it's going to be that should be my cosplay for a convention sometime. <laughs> just, just, but but like but like dressed normal for everything yeah, else but just, just the mask. mask. And then people are like, "Do you have cereal?" I'll be like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> Uh, so it's down to Frankenberry and Count Chocula. Yeah. I guess it's really going to come down to what my tastes are because I'm going to have to ice Frankenberry simply by the fact that I prefer Count Chocula over Frankenberry. Oh, see, I I, I think I, Chocula is at the bottom for me. Like, I, it's perfectly fine, but I think you can find chocolatey cereals all year long. Yeah, like a strawberry cereal. That's I mean, but you're right, blueberries right there. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's that's an interesting dilemma to have. <laughs> so I mean. I mean, obviously, Fruit Brute and Yummy Mummy didn't even make it on the list. Well, so. that's true. They're not in production right now, so that's why. Um, yeah. yeah, they're yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> that was that was uh, naughty nice or on ice. Uh, sure, I'm sure this may come back at some point. I don't know. Um, yeah. Hopefully, I do better next time because I feel like I went off on some weird tangents. That was the whole point. Like I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to have your reactions to things and make you pick between villains. Like I, I thought it would be fun to be like, I'm going to give you three of the same thing that you probably like. You know what? I don't know what to do with these. That was the whole point. So, all right, uh, yeah. Um, next week uh, we're going to have uh, the full science slasher people on. It'll be fun. Yeah, um, all two of us. Yeah, all two of you. And and we'll be talking about art, and I'll be like. I'll be like, well, I like pictures. And then I'll be like, hey, have you seen my paper craft? You'll be like, this is shit. I'll be like, no, I'm getting a table. And I'm going to make a bunch of it. And I'm going to sell it. So anyway, until uh, next week, everybody have a, have a safe week. And um, I, if you're visited by three ghosts, maybe you should like figure out what you're doing with your life because it's probably not good. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe put a little love in your heart. The elves were making toys For the good Gentile girls And the good Gentile boys When the boss busted in Nearly scared him half to death Had a rifle in his hands And cheap whiskey on his breath From his beard to his boots He was covered with ammo Like a big fat drunk Disgruntled Yuletide Rambo And he smiled as he said With a twinkle in his eye Merry Christmas to all Now you're all gonna die Well, the workshop is gone now, he decided to bomb it Everywhere you'll find pieces of Cupid and Comet And he tied up his helpers, and he held the elves hostage And he ground up poor Rudolph into reindeer sausage He got Dancer and Prancer with an old German Luger And he slashed up Dasher just like Freddy Krueger And he picked up a flamethrower and he barbecued Blitzen Took a big bite and said it tastes just like chicken. The night.
Oh, God. 